I have to work harder to make this sound good. <laughs> Dude, I'm tired. Dude, not to be a downer. This is it. This is uh, this is our, our podcast. This is a pod. This is a podcast. This is a podcast. Um, so today, I thought we would start off with talking about uh, bands in general. I think bands. Um, we've gone through a lot of different phases. Everybody always talks about. Even when I first started, people would talk about like, "Oh, we're just in a phase right now." You yeah. know, it's like we're going through the cycle. And and I've seen it so many times where. Uh, you think that uh, a certain style of music is just going to be forever whenever you're in it, right? Sure. It's yeah. like, like when I started, it was very much like uh, there was this pivot, right? There was the people, everybody could have Pro Tools now and everybody could record at home and, and, um, and sample libraries started becoming big and people started like putting together stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, it was like studios started to die off around town. Yeah. And I've talked about this before because it is like such a thing where, uh, you know, it, it's a money thing. You know, yeah. it's very expensive to be in a studio. For real. And, yeah. And that and has been. And expensive to be in a band. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. And, you know, that's when you start calculating, okay, well, the studio is this much, but also, you know, the drummer's going to have to buy all new heads. The guitarist is getting yeah. new stuff. You have to rent stuff to have like a full album. You have to yeah. do all these things. And um, and it's it's definitely swinging back the pendulum right yeah, now. Yeah. And I, I told you this before, but um, I I was talking to the Ibanez uh, marketing rep not too long ago, and he said that last year was the most Ibanez guitars that they've ever sold in a single year in the United Crazy. States. And it's like I, I would not have guessed that. Yeah, you. I I, I when he said no it, I was Ibanez. like shocked. And then as I started to put together the pieces, yeah. I was like, actually, it makes a lot of sense because sure. we're yeah. coming out of the pandemic and we've got all these people creating uh in their homes right because when you have nothing to do during the pandemic you start looking for like okay well i've already watched every season sure, yeah. of, of top chef yeah you know yeah, like yeah. i've already done all the things tiger king yeah, yeah. we, all yeah. we went through the tiger too. king phase yeah. <laughs> i don't did you ever see that video i made where i dressed up like tiger king no oh my god How it's, I miss this? it's on youtube i i've only ever posted like two things on youtube which is also a funny little pivot on that is that um I have never been able to take music seriously whenever I'm doing it because I get too stressed out. Like sure. I'm just like, yeah. it's not as good as this. It's not as good. Yeah. But if I make a joke song, sure, it's going up immediately. Dude, I have to interrupt with a serious thought. I legitimately think making a joke song can be a really good way to make oh a great God. song. It's I'm so serious. Good. I have done a Jace, not to get all deep and spiritual in this moment, but I have. We've, we both shared sentiments like this online before, but I've shared with people sometimes the best way to unlock a good song is to write it as if you're writing for someone else. Right. Take that thought one step further. Write a joke song. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I heard it. I can't remember what it was, so it'd be, this would be uh, like funnier if I could remember the specific example, but I heard a song the other day that was dope, but it was like so over the top. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Way too over the top. I would have never written it if I were being serious. Right. But I thought to myself, I could have killed this if I were joking. Right. You know what I mean? I could write a hell of like a, a boy a, band song if I was joking. There's a guy, and then he also has a band that I see on TikTok sometimes. Yeah. I think his name's Tom McGovern or some shit like that. Dude, I and, swear I know exactly who you're talking and about he, And he has another a band called like Wolves of Glendale or something. Dude, wait a minute. Does he do the, um, does he do the good band 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. He good does band the good name, band, bad band, name, bad name. Those yeah, are yeah, so yeah. funny. Shout out. And, yeah. and he, he called out a restaurant at Water I Love, Dune. You've been to Dune? Oh, yeah. That's yeah, so yeah, yeah. dope. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw him the other day. He did a joke song, and it, this kind of pushed this thought in my head, too, because I always think this is like, it's so easy for me to let go of a joke song. Like, I have two sure. joke songs that are on YouTube yeah. right now. One of them is the Tiger King joke, which is like, I kind of wrote a song. I had no idea. Oh, I wrote a song in the style of, of, of the Tiger King, right? And I did all the guitars. I played <laughs> yeah. all the stuff. Jake Reed played drums on it oh, for me so and shit. Good. It's really good. And take a um, shot every time we say Jake Reed. Yeah, and it was super funny because just out of coincidence, <clears throat> at some point in time, I had bought a leather jacket from uh, from a flea market or yeah. a swap meet or some shit. Yeah. And uh, and when Tiger King came out. He had that exact same Dude. jacket, and I was like, "Oh, oh I'm doing it! So I'm doing good. it!" So I, I made remember, this. Oh, that's so good. Go I ahead, made this ahead. video, and I, and and um, I was watching my friend's cat at the time. He had this like, uh, you know, like real wild pattern savanna cat sure. that I was watching. Yeah. And I'm out there rolling in the grass. <laughs> you with this, this is in the video. In the oh, video, it's really funny. It's it's so stupid. I had a fake mullet. Yeah. And, Dude, Tiger Earrings King, and all that he stuff. was all time. I'm remembering specifically so much of that that uh, show was memed to hell. Like just oh, every yeah. every facet of it was. But there was a specific meme in in the documentary. Someone got their arm chopped off or right. like bitten off. Right. And he goes inside and comes out. You remember this? He comes out with this dope yeah. <laughs> a paramedic jacket. Yeah. But it's like fire. It's like yeah. a legit cool jacket. <laughs> but he like changed outfits just to, you know what I mean? He's not a paramedic. <laughs> He's not helping the guy. Nothing. But just oh, like God. in the chaos of this medical emergency, this to yeah. put on his paramedic drip. Yeah, man, it's a time so for an good. outfit change. And I remember everyone memeing it. Oh, that's so classic. But, I don't know how we got here. But, oh, like, Ibanez. Uh, uh, Ibanez. So, yeah, so we, we're, we're in this pandemic, and everybody is um, everybody's looking for something to occupy their time. Sure, yeah. And a lot of people occupied it with buying a guitar and learning those first chords for yeah. the first yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And there used to be a statistic <clears throat> floating around, and I have no idea the, the uh, truthiness of this statistic, but it was something like 80% of all people who start learning an instrument quit within one year. Sure. Because, yeah, you know, it's, sure. a, it's an extremely hard thing to do, but one of the things that was great about the pandemic, with this? yeah, you had unending amounts of time Yeah to do that you know and like Truly, even and yeah. like and and i felt the same you know during the pandemic i i picked up piano and uh, i'd always kind of just dabbled in stuff but that was when i was like okay well i'll just learn piano really? right now yeah, yeah and i i spent um i did it like a job like i would Killer. wake up every morning at eight o'clock in yeah. the morning like approached I would, it with like yeah, a rigid, yeah i would i would exercise i would eat breakfast and i play piano for like four hours and every time i would get frustrated playing piano or something or like i was feeling like a thing i would stop and i would do some push-ups and sure and during that stretch of the pandemic because i was also like dying from unending loneliness because my wife left me and everything too but i was like <laughs> i got in funny. some great shape you know yeah. i was in such good I'm shape sure and i also it. got yeah. great at piano and yeah. i was just like man i'm really becoming the person i want to be yeah <laughs> but um yeah so many people had started picking up an instrument and getting you know and getting involved and i think that the the social media algorithm is so interesting in that because if you start watching videos of people playing guitar and doing their thing yeah, and everything, yeah. you just get more and more of it, which inspires you to try more and more things sure. and learn more stuff and everything. And and at the end of that, you know, that's where Ibanez comes in and says like, you know, like, well, yeah, we're, we're doing the, and I think they did a brilliant move because one of their biggest sellers is Tim Henson from Polyphia's guitar, like his oh. signature guitar. And he All this is talk on, sponsor us, Ibanez. Take yeah. a shot every time I tell someone to sponsor us. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and he, you know, one of his big things, like his, his breakout moment. And I remember even talking to the band about this and everything when we were on tour was that, you know, it was like at first everybody was seeing him and being like, who's this douchebag, you know, like tapping on his guitar and all that sure. shit. And tapping he, on his he kept making so videos. That's so classic. And the next thing you know, now people actually like the, there was a pivot point when sure. people stopped hating on him yeah. and started being like, actually, this dude is an amazing guitarist. Sure. And like, yeah. look at what he's capable of accomplishing. Yeah. And I see, especially when we're on tour with him and like we're out there and we're doing shows and every day at the beginning of the show, they have um, a meet and greet, yeah. you know, and, and people who paid extra money to like come and meet the band and everything. And I'd say probably every single time, 20 to 40% of the people brought their guitars with them. Really? And a lot of them had his specific Ibanez oh, signature guitar and yeah. everything. And and he would sign them and like the band would take pictures with everybody. And it made me really reinforce this idea of like how social media is actually driving people back into learning an instrument. Where, sure, yeah. Where that period I was talking about before when everybody stopped and everybody was just getting loop packs and everybody was just like, you know, using the stock instruments from and the stock loops from Logic and all that stuff to all of a sudden people have kind of switched back to there's a lot of musicians happening now, right? Sure, yeah. And um, I had this conversation with Edwin McCain, shout out Edwin, who's on TikTok and who is a great guy. Just a, he's a I'll wonderful dude. To, yeah. Crush it. He, he sent me a bunch of demos for this next album and I was actually really impressed because his voice doesn't sound like he's aged. Like you watch him really? on TikTok yeah. and he's definitely aged from the 20 sure. something year old guy I remember seeing yeah. as a kid or, or as a teenager. Um, but his voice hasn't aged and, and Killer. one of the things we were talking about was this, um, we're still at a point, right? Where like people are picking up instruments and people are like getting back into like making music like that and playing their own stuff, but we haven't quite pivoted from that to bands. Totally. Right. Yeah. There's still, I knew you'd get there, but I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. yeah. We, we haven't quite pivoted from I am a good guitarist and I make TikTok videos yeah. to I am a band, yeah. right? And when and and I think that this is a really interesting thing because I know personally for myself the biggest gains I've ever made as a musician, as an engineer, as a producer has been working with other people. Playing with people. Right. Sure. Yeah. It's like there's nothing that will level you up faster in the world and spark inspiration like we can't all be prince you know there sure. is there is a one prince for a reason yeah. you know yeah. like he was a very specifically talented person he yeah. was able to pick up any instrument and he devoted a lot of time to learning those things and once he got to so certain, much he was, time yeah it's yeah. like when you look at how many demos he has and how many unreleased songs that like the estate now holds yeah. insanity I mean, yeah it's insane like yeah. his his production and his output but it was like because he was doing everything himself and he had a vision for everything. Now, the corollary to that is he didn't release any of that stuff yeah. because it was not to a level that he was like, okay, this is good enough for me to put out. It is good enough for me to record. He probably, and this is something that happens to me all the time, is like you recycle ideas from one thing into the next and everything. But the point is not everybody can be Prince. We can't, you know, like not everybody can play every single instrument, program all the stuff, play all the sure. synths, like do yeah. all this stuff. And so 
what's missing still is this ability for people to bond with other people and experience that stuff. And uh, like I said, the biggest growth that I've ever had has been riffing off of other people. Oh, for sure. You, you get better in a way playing with people that you cannot replicate without playing with people. Sure. Uh, how many times have you recorded a kid, I'm thinking specifically of like a guitar player, who comes in who can absolutely shred, like Cliffs of Dover, right. you know what I mean? Like they can shred, uh, but they cannot play with a band. Yeah. Or they can't keep up with a click, which maybe sounds unromantic to, to music purists, purists out there, but like, you, you know what I mean? They have no groove, no yeah. ability to play along with people. And I mean this with love, and just to prove the point that we're, we're talking about here, it doesn't matter how many YouTube videos, you've songs you've learned in a YouTube video that you played by yourself, and if you can shred in your room, none of that matters if you cannot play with people right. in the studio. So that's maybe a more niche comment for uh, musicians who want to be in a band and or I know there are a lot of killer musicians who aspire to be studio musicians. You have to be able to play right. with, with a band. Yeah, with people, with with other ideas, other styles. And that's a thing, too, I think that's really missed a lot of times is people they they get themselves into their own niche you know they're like this is the type of music that i play and real innovation seems to mostly come from when people are you know like like some of the like for example i was in a metal band back when i lived in dallas and we played progressive metal it was very interesting it was like we switched meter and key every like seven bars you know it's never like an even number you know we always had a joke that we're like we're like oh man this riff is great let's do it 11 more times yeah (laughs) Yeah, yeah. so um but our guitarist was was a jazz guitarist. Like that was where his his roots were. He loved metal and he loved making metal music and everything. But he was a huge Pat Metheny fan, and he was like really into doing jazz and like progressive jazz. And um, that influence drove us to do some of the most interesting stuff I've ever done as a musician because we were we were all kind of all outside of our own headspace and our own boundaries. And we were pushing ourselves to be good at something like metal, which is a, you know, I, I particularly think that metal is probably one of the more musical genres still. You oh, know? Absolutely. It's like, yeah. it, it, you will get more music theory out of most Certainly. metal bands. It's funny. I'll hit pause and chime in. I'm sure you'll agree. There are moms out there. No offense to moms or like, you know, parents out there who right. would disagree and think, you know, maybe like a boomer generation listening to their kid play some metal track and would think it is the least musical right. thing they could do. But it is, uh, you said theory, like the math of it, like it is one of yeah. the more intelligent musics. And most people, uh, well, I shouldn't say most people, music novices, people who are not into music wouldn't know, but it is the most directly, like literally directly tied to classical right. music. Yeah, there, there is no closer adjacent musical yeah. genre. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. And and that's something that's so interesting because also, you know, like one of these TikTok things I see all the time is like some some, you know, tappy ass guitarist playing uh playing a Mozart song or sure. playing, you know, yeah. like something, you know, real hard yeah. for piano yep. on a guitar. For real. You know? It's crazy. And I don't produce I literally I would say metal is the genre I do least and that is that I never do. So, so I have no like metal uh, uh, flag to fly. For me, uh, humorously, like that's whenever I pick up a guitar, that's kind of where my brain is. Is that goes where your naturally. fingers go? Yeah, yeah, really? yeah it's yeah, like yeah. I, I'm suddenly I want to get back into drop C sharp tuning wow. and start like, you yeah. know, like playing some fast shit or whatever. Sure. And, yeah. and that's where my brain naturally goes because it is something that. Uh, again, I consider it to be like some of the more musical stuff that's out yeah. there and, and yeah. everything. But um, 
Yeah, so it's like it's it's very interesting to see people coming back into the music world and like wanting to create and everything. And uh, something I was going to mention earlier with that, you know, the loop packs and the riffs and all that stuff. Something that we started to see that has driven people away from things like Splice is the way that the algorithm works, right? Uh, specifically YouTube, I'm thinking with copyright strikes. I have seen a lot of artists recently who used a, a, a loop from Splice, put it in their song, put their song up on YouTube, and then they get a copyright strike. And they're like, wait a second, what the hell? Bizarre. Another artist, a yeah. bigger artist usually, uh, has used that loop yeah. and it gets processed as the sure, same thing. And sure. it's like, you're, that's So at the splice level, at foundational level, it was, you, it was wide open. You yeah. could use it. But then someone locked it in yeah, after having and, used and, it already. And it's technically not yeah. copywritten because that's, an, you know, that's sure. a free use yeah, loop yeah, yeah, or yeah. whatever. But, but it's registering but under it's their registering thing. But it's registering under this other artist already. And yeah. so people are getting kind of like screwed over. And that's what's driving a lot of people to stop using those things and start pivoting towards uh, creating their own stuff and, sure. and going back to it. But a little splice tip, by the way, this isn't even that revelatory, but I use splice from time to time, especially if building quickly, like say a pop instrumental mm -hmm. and building something for someone I'll throw in, especially like ambient tones. Of course I'm building the structure myself. Yeah. It's real. But like when I need like a little saucy background, something for a verse mm -hmm. two, I'm all about splice point is should be obvious, but like choose something in a different key and pitch it. Right. And distort it to shit. Or, you yes. know what I mean? Yeah, if, yeah, I, I, I never... Here's the d differentiation I make to people often. Because sometimes people are surprised. I'm like, I don't... I, I use Splice. Absolutely. Why yeah. not? I never just use it, though. You know what I mean? I wouldn't suggest just pulling right. a loop from Splice. This is not, I know, the conversation you intended to have. No, but I, I, I use Splice conversation, all the though, time. Or yeah. loops. I, I, am, I have no shame. I'm good enough that I feel comfortable using loops, but I also never leave them alone. Yeah, I'm all. I would never just throw one in. I'm yeah. pitching it. I'm chopping it. If it's a if it's a percussive loop, even if it's in the background, I'm gonna chop it up the way I want. Yeah, just to make sure it's somewhat. Even maybe it's my own conscious or my own you know desire yeah, to feel better. I, than I definitely everyone, have felt the way. I mean, we could we, a little pivot on that conversation sure. because I do think it's such a, a an interesting thing for people and and it's helpful to have. We, that. Do we want. We don't have producers. I, I um yeah, I think that when it comes here at the to, podcast, I mean. I, I have never felt like I've never felt like using samples. Like when I was growing up, that was the conversation. Samples are cheating. You sure, know, it's sure. like it's yeah, like they're not making it'll real. Ever ever be a conversation? Yeah, they're not making real music. They're not even playing an instrument. Sure. You know, and we've we've gone so far from that. You yeah. know, we have strayed from the light of God so far. But uh, they, uh, you know, it it was absolutely a conversation when I was younger that if you aren't playing a real instrument, you're sure. not a real musician. You yeah. know, and uh, and I never felt, I never felt like Splice was cheating. I never felt like using Sam, because at the end of the day, it still requires you to have musical knowledge of some type. Even if it's not actual theory, it requires yeah. you to understand this does not sound good with this, sure. or this does sound good yeah. with this. And so um, I've never felt like it was cheating to do that. But I have personally myself, every time I've ever used a loop or even samples, sure. have always tried to find a way to change them from their original have to, source have to yeah or um, replay it by the yeah. way that's another thing no shame you find a loop you like but in the end if you feel like it might get ripped off by someone else or right. you might get tagged did we talk it. about um did we talk about the i i don't think we talked about it on the podcast but we i, I don't know if we talked about the um doja cat uh walk on by sample that was no uh, so um so there was recently something that i saw on tiktok that it was really interesting because i think the guy was just actually clout sharking i don't think he was really trying to 
bring heat, you know, sure. but he made a couple posts. He was a, you know, like a half a mil type yeah. artist or whatever. And he was saying that Doja Cat stole his song. Right. Interesting. And he I've was not like, seen this or we've not talked about yeah, it. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, I know that the artist's name was like Vano 3000 or something like that. And, um, and he, um, wait a second. Is that the guy? I could be wrong. Is that the guy who did the, uh, the mukbang, like that uber, I, I, I uber know, viral? Maybe. No, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to look I, it I up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't Just know in what case it is, I, well, I'll look it up later. But if anyone, know, anyone listening to this knows who I'm talking about, there was that, uh, oh God, the, um, do you remember, I'm sorry, and I'll give it right back to you. No, I could be wrong, but I think it's the producer. Do you remember that Uber, Uber, like one of the most viral pieces of audio has been used more than almost anything on TikTok. It was that, um, the band, the bad, 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 good or good, good, bad or whatever. Yeah. yeah bad, bad, not good. I think yes. Really, yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. There was a producer who sped that up. Is it easy? Right. Whatever. If you heard it, you know what I'm talking about. I think it's him. I have no point except to say that I think it might be him. If it <laughs> well, is, shout out guy. So that guy's he, killer. Um, he yeah. posted this thing and said, Doja Cat stole my song. And it's this, um, I want to say it's Dion, Dion Warwick was the original sample where, it, you know, it's this song, Welcome by, it's the new Doja Cat sure, at the time, sure. right? And he was like, Doja Cat stole my song, yeah. right? And he showed her song and then he showed his song, right? And he was like, look, this is this, she did the same thing. Yeah. And obviously the melody that was on top was different. It was, you know, Doja Cat's thing. And then his thing was like more of a rap song or whatever. And he had posted about this and the drums were different. The, the melody was different. Sure. The, uh, the only thing that was the same. Say, what was the same? Was the sample, you know, was the okay. walk on by sample. But it's not know? his sample. And it's not his sample. And so he's going off about this being like, Doja Cat stole my song. He's posting these videos and like talking. And he's like, I, you know, and, um, and I was kind of like, I posted on his thing and I was kind of thinking, I was like, why, why would you think that? Because first of all, like neither of them changed the sample from the original key, right? They used the same key of the original sample, uh, same tempo of the original sample. The only thing that happened was, one person heard that loop and thought, oh, I could put a beat on top of this. And another person heard that loop and said, oh, I could put a beat sure. on top of this. There's no copyright infringement. There's no theft of a song. Like, I highly doubt that the producer that made that Doja beat, yeah. whoever it was, heard this dude's beat sure. two months before or whatever and, yeah. and was just trying to rip it or whatever. Yeah. But even if he was... I was going to say... It's a, yeah, there's, it's a- there's no legal basis for that. Like, in fact... I would bet that being that bro is an independent artist yeah. and releasing stuff on his own, I bet you he didn't clear that sample. Sure. And yeah. I bet you almost guarantee that Doja did oh, because of she had, had to. Absolutely. She would have had to. Yeah. So it's like in anything, if anything, she's more in the right than he is in any sure. way, shape, or form. Yeah, and, because and he I, used it without permission. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Versus like her actually. And so I, I, I was, a, you know, was, I wasn't mad about it, but I was just like, bro, you don't, you obviously don't have a real case here, and sure. what you're doing is probably yeah. just trying to get that clickbait ire up sure. a little bit, where yeah. people are like, what's going on? And and I saw it start to peter out, and him stop posting about it sure. or whatever. I'm going to look but, it up later. Just yeah. also, I'm just curious if it's that guy. It, but it was super interesting because it's like, you know, there is no, there's nothing, we can all use the same loop, 
You know, sure. we can all yeah. do the same that exact is a, loop. A funny look to call someone else out for ripping you off. Right. But then the thing they ripped off is something you ripped off. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. It is I really interesting. A re- like we're already down a little rabbit hole and we'll get back to bands and I have some thoughts on why there aren't many bands right now and maybe why the pendulum will swing, all that stuff. But another thought actually, I think I've heard a few people say this, but I've heard you articulate it most recently in the way that it's stuck in my head. People talk about not using analog. Right. I say, I don't, you know, I don't use analog. It's all, the world is all digital, but it's ironic that so much of what they're using is, is analog. Was analog. Beats. It's yeah. like, yeah, bro, you don't use, yeah. you didn't use analog, yeah. but 12 of the 14 samples that are built in the beat of which you played none yeah. were tracked at sounds, you know, yeah. uh, whatever, where they do a bunch of samples nearby. We're in LA right now. Um, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's like, dog, you, you can't even say that uh, analog isn't important. It's your, your entire beat is right. analog, except for the two random things you did on your Scarlet at home. Right. So yeah. I don't, it's not like I have a big and, analog setup. And on top know. of that, you know, the, the tech here, Lawrence, he pointed out to me, I, I you know, I, I wasn't really kind of like pushing that idea because I, you know, normally when people are talking about analog, they're talking about, I don't have a tube tech in my house or I don't sure. have an 11. But you get what I'm saying. And ironically, sure. I think I'm saying what you're, you were and, saying. And, and Lawrence was still like, so prevalent. Does, does any, is, is there anybody in the world that doesn't know that all microphones are analog? Like, sure. It still has to get converted into, to, to the digital world. Totally. But, you know, it's just like, to make it reductive, all... like math though. Like if, if someone who's saying that were to omit everything in their song that they've built, that was recorded in what they consider to be analog, right? right. Like an East, we're in East West right now, in an East West, uh, or no, maybe another local studio here. Uh, they would have like one or two elements left. Like yeah. that's that's how prevalent analog is. Even though you aren't yeah. using it, the, even the people who are making the samples you're using it's, most it's, likely used some setup of you know. It's hilarious to me because also like this analog conversation. Th- there's a lot about the analog conversation that makes me laugh. But like, how many beats have you ever heard in your life with? the vinyl noise up sure. underneath, you yeah. know, like purposely put in there yeah. for that whole, like just for the purpose of sounding that way. Of sure. the way that yeah, we yeah. It's very funny to me. Uh, I, I don't, I, I am all for people using whatever technology they need to use to get a song made and sure. to like, to get their creative ideas yeah. out there. I just don't particularly like when people take a stance against things being like, well, I don't do it that way. It's like, well, you know, you kind of do either. Sure. Way, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's a little bit silly to me, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So pivoting back, uh, what, why do you think, um, why, why do you think that there's less bands now? And what do you think would take to get bands back into the zeitgeist and back into yeah. the, the everyday? Like, cause, uh, as I pointed out before, we just had our first number one rap, song of on billboard this year sure just now you and know? you're pointing out that how infrequent that is you're saying now. that it's on its on, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 it's yeah. definitely i mean things are definitely in a in a pivot yeah you right can now. see the pendulum swinging back the other way i'll answer the second half or we can discuss the second half you know after as you would with the second half sure. like how it's going to come back <laughs> but i do think the pendulum is swinging and we'll talk about you posted about this recently um yeah we'll, uh, we'll touch on the things we talked about earlier i will say i think there are a handful of factors in why there aren't as many bands now um, it's not TikTok's fault, but TikTok has certainly amplified. I wouldn't say it's a problem, but whatever was causing it, TikTok has only fanned that flame. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is, uh, first of all, you, you pointed it out. There is, I, I grew up in bands too. There is just, it's like laborious to be in a band and right. it's more fun. It's so much more fun. We'll talk, you know, we could talk even more about how much better you will be as a musician, probably as a person playing with people, but it's laborious. It takes more work. You got to coordinate different 
you know schedules. I mean? Oh Pe- my God. Oh, just especially literally everything. People, you know, it's like there is kind of a. I hope a you bit all are enjoying a, my legs. Yeah, I was thinking you're you're going I, hard on I the don't legs know. today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sorry for you. I think that. Um, I, I think that uh, when it comes to bands, like one of the things that it, it, you know, most people who play in bands, right, uh, are are still working their nine to fives, yeah. you know, or some, you know, it's it, it's very rarely do you have people like you have in LA, sure. Where in LA, uh, like for example, I have a good friend Sebastian who's a great guitarist. He he um, he's good. He, he's been in a bunch of bands and everything. I met him in a band. He played in another band with a bunch of my friends and known him for a long time. He. He gives guitar lessons. Sure. That's how he survives, yeah. right? So his schedule is pretty free to continue doing music, sure. right? <clears throat> but your average person in the rest of the world yeah. does not have the ability to say like, okay, well, I'll just move this whole day of work to somewhere else so we can all get together and practice. And then yeah. on top of that, it's where are we going to practice? You yeah. know, it's yeah. like I just saw somebody the other day posting about how they'll never – insult a drummer for not being great because they know how incredibly hard it is to find a place to set up an acoustic drum set for real and yeah. practice you know yeah when i was growing up when I, I grew up in pennsylvania and so everybody had basements you know sure. and yeah. everybody's basement was pretty much the All band craftsman y- homes yeah, yeah. it's like yeah. everybody's basement was the band hangout sure you know? yeah. it was like a bit of that 70s show shout out danny masterson for 30 to oh, 30 God. years <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah stupid fuck yeah. anyway uh he, um, everybody was like, that was like the hangout. You always went over to one person's house whose parents were always cool with whatever went down yeah. in the basement. And like, yeah. that's where everybody practiced at. That's where all this stuff went down. And, um, and so, you know, that was a thing, but first of all, as I grew up and moved around, I realized not everywhere has a basement or an outside, sure. yeah. or especially if you live in the city. Oh my God. I remember. I remember one time um, I was rehearsing for a show that me and my ex-wife were going to play together, and I was living in an apartment in in Koreatown. Yeah. And I wasn't doing drums on the whole. I was just playing toms on like two songs. Yeah. And I would set up those toms and I'd be playing. And I remember one time I was banging on these drums yeah. in my living room and everything, listening and playing along to the song and everything. And I just hear my neighbor go. What the fuck? <laughs> and you heard it through the wall. Yeah. Oh, it's so I was like, good. Has like, I was like, sorry, oh. bro. Oh yeah, actually, that's a good Just point. Became self aware. The yeah. shit out of these drums, oh, right? So now. good. So I, I do understand. It's, it's very hard as a band to even have a place to rehearse. I th- yeah. You no, know, man, and then ahead. much less that like getting everybody together, getting the schedules together. Yeah. You know, everybody having the same outlook. That's another huge part of it too. Is like, does everybody in your band? have the same opinion of where you're going. Yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. Because our drummer in my band, whenever I was in living in Texas, he was a great drummer. Shout out Adam. He's awesome. But he was always like, yeah, man, I'm just, this is fun for me. Same with sure, uh, one of yeah. our guitarists, Sam. Yeah. Sam was also like, this is just fun for me. I'm doing this for fun. Whereas like uh, me and the other guitarist were more like, this is our career. So like, this, this is what we're going to yeah. do with yeah, our yeah. lives. Now, I didn't know that it was going to take such a circuitous route to get to where I actually end sure. up or whatever. Sure. But I did think music is the path, and this is yeah. a part of that path. Yeah. So there's definitely, um, like, you know, it's hard to get two people who are like, this is for fun, yeah. and two people who are like, this is a career, to agree on how many times a week we should get together and rehearse. Sure, yeah. You know, how many times we should practice for this next show. How many shows we should play. Yeah. You know, because those guys, 
that was, you know, it was like for us to play a show and this is back in the, like the, you know, we're making no money a show. We're, <laughs> we're basically paying to play some shows, yeah. you know, cause transportation and all that shit. Oh, and, for sure. You know, getting, getting all the equipment out there, yeah. especially for the drummer. Who's again, this is for fun. Yeah. You know, he's not mad if we have success, but he's like, you know, he's spending, you know, $150 to get new heads all the time sure, to put on yeah. his drums. And like, you know, that's an investment to yeah. do whenever this is for fun, yeah. you know, versus somebody who's out here like, oh, I'm investing in my career. I'm putting this back in. Yeah. So it is hard to find four or five people, well, three, I guess, is the minimum, but four sure. or five people yeah. willing to put money into doing stuff, yeah. you know, yeah, willing yeah. to even able to put money into doing yeah. things. I think what you're highlighting is everything is harder with a band. Everything's more expensive. Yeah. Everything takes more planning. Everything is more laborious. I will say, and I'm going to fight the urge to give too much uh, nuance. We can obviously circle back and talk about the upsides of being in a band. There is an upside to that. I would say all of the downsides are the upside. Right. Right. Like you get creative nuance. You get different opinions. I think the bands have a magic that sometimes solo artists don't have because they are greater than the sum of their parts. Right. You might be four randos, four random dudes, or you got some girls in there. Four random people, but somehow you have magic together that you wouldn't right. have or that neither of you have solo right. so that, that that's aside but yeah everything is more difficult i also think back to what i started to say about tiktok fanning the flame of of a societal thing that was already there it's just it is the path of least resistance uh to do it solo it's easier to promote it's easier to be a solo artist yeah uh, the same thing applies you're not having to coordinate four personalities and four yeah. opinions of how you should market and, your band and when you are just a solo artist doing this by the yourself every free moment can become an opportunity to do something where there's no reason, you know, with a band, it's very hard to last minute and be like, hey, everybody come over totally. right now, I'm free. Yeah. Yeah. You, can, you can make quick moves. You can move very quick, like swiftly, yeah. in a way that you couldn't with a band. You, I, uh, a writer that I really respect a while back, and this is like an adjacent, like parallel thought, but he talked about, he joked, but he shared it in, in kind of an honest, but intentionally ironic way. He said, why would I write a song with my bands take months, maybe weeks to write it, months to record it, months more before my label even lets me release it. Right. When I could just go make a TikTok real quick. Mm -hmm. And you know what I mean? And get affirmation immediately from yep. that. And I think that to me, that parallel is so true where it's like, there's just, there's a lot more work that goes into the soil into like planting roots as a band. Whereas with, the, and it doesn't mean everyone who, who's doing it is vapid, but I do think there is just an ease, a simplicity to doing things solo. Oh, we got a nice police chase going yeah, on. Yeah, love there. it. But LA, nothing wrong with that. Um, <laughs> nothing abnormal about that. But yeah, there's an ease, like a swiftness to doing things solo. And I do think TikTok, it's ironic that during the pandemic, there was an uptick. I agree. Or it's interesting to hear those facts, but I'm not shocked to hear there was an uptick in musicianship. I would say, and although at this very moment, maybe, maybe now the pendulum is beginning to swing the other way. Yeah. I would say that simultaneously, there was a continued, maybe the pendulum swung as far out as it ever was towards solo artistry and away from bands during TikTok, yeah. the TikTok era. And I would call like the peak of, at least the initial peak of TikTok, the pandemic and kind of the end of pandemic, which we're, we're edging on now still. Um, I would say that that was the peak of no bands. Does that make sense? So it's a yeah. bit ironic to me that there was an uptick in musicianship, which makes sense because I think there was still like a massive, we were still yeah. swinging away from bands. Well, and, and definitely the pandemic fan that a little bit as well because there's no shows there's no bars to go yeah. out and play oh, yeah. at you yep. know there's no you know i i know if bands you were a good were, liberal you, you weren't even getting together with your band you yeah. were supposed to be at home doing yeah. your own thing it was a it was a terrible time to be yeah in a band. yeah absolutely and it's very interesting the way that that did kind of you know re and i think that part of it is 
you know, I always talk about the the equilibrium, this this the the back and forth of the pendulum, the way that not being able to get together with a bunch of people then drove you to want to get together with a bunch of people. Sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, I remember the first sessions that happened whenever like we started to get through the pandemic and and people were like getting back into the studio and playing together as a band and everybody being like, this feels so good to finally be yeah. able to do this, you know? And, and so it definitely, um, every, every action deserves its re reaction, sure. you know? But um, I will say one thing that I've noticed a lot more recently, and, I, and again, it's hard to, to, to discern between what's actually happening and what my algorithm shows me because I've already been interested sure. yeah, in yeah, those yeah. things like self-affirming right reality. but i've definitely seen a lot more 17 and 18 year old kids yeah. with bands sure on tiktok putting their stuff on social media putting their stuff out being like hey we're this band or whatever yeah. and one of my favorites i'm going to give them a little shout because um i i was thoroughly i'm very impressed with them they um they're a band called rehash and they're uh, yeah. which is hilarious yeah. name too because they're essentially uh, man, they sound. I, I mean, their singer sounds like Kurt Cobain more than really? anybody I've ever heard. I've not heard of him off the look. He, up. yeah, they they kind of. Started, Are you working with him or just? just no, 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 yeah. no. In fact, uh, their bass player, I believe, like records their stuff, and he sent yeah. me some of their demos whenever I like liked a couple of their posts. Sure. Like, oh, I love your stuff. Like, thanks yeah. so much. And and he's like, can I send you some stuff? And I listened to their stuff, and um, uh, I was really impressed you know a bunch of kids yeah. doing it like the old way yeah. you know doing it the the way dave grohl told us we're supposed to which yeah. is getting in the garage and sucking for a little bit yeah. You know? yeah but i see so much more of this now of kids getting out there getting together with bands trying to do stuff like getting their music and, and like learning stuff and everybody kind of starts the same way like the the easiest way to get a band together is like hey we all like this one band sure let's let's start playing yeah. one of their songs yeah you know yeah. and then we all figure out where we're at musicianship wise yeah. and somebody says hey i've got this idea for this other song like how do you got you know let me play it for you and then yeah. you start like building off of that but um, I, I do think that it's cool to see these bands starting to get back and starting to like, you know, do the do the old garage rock thing again. Because Absolutely. Uh, for me, there was never a time in my life where I was more fulfilled with music than whenever I was just playing in my living room with my band and like I'm going to interrupt to affirm the same thing. There right. is, it is just magical. I think my, like the most exhilarating music moments I've had in my life, the most fun I've had mm -hmm. and not to mention, you said this earlier, but the, the most increase in like uh, skill, right? Like the most growth I've seen has been playing in a band for sure. Yeah. There's nothing wor worse in the world than being the worst person in the band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, no, the drummer's the worst, man. Yeah. I'm way better than <laughs> Yeah. We used to always like have these conversations in our band where it was kind of this like argument about like, no, 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 this guy's the worst. We're better than him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're the best, you're not getting better. Yeah. Yeah. So and that's that's certainly a thing. It's it's yeah. really difficult whenever you're in a band yeah. to uh, continually level up whenever you're the one leading everybody. Yeah. And it's yeah. nice to see. Uh, I, I think that that was what was cool about my band whenever we were playing is like one of us, our, our jazz guitarist guy, he started as the best. Sure. But then we all kind of started having our moments where it was like, hey, you know, like yeah. 
bro just got really good all of a sudden. You better do your thing. So you're describing thing, why yeah. it's so exhilarating, though. You're, like, all propelling each other forward yeah. in an ideal yeah, situation. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and uh, you know, every every band has its moments where they're like, hey, this one guy's not yeah. getting better and not practicing and yeah. trying. And then sometimes they have the band meeting and everybody yeah. talks. And sometimes it's just like, let's just get a better drummer. Dude, this isn't, this isn't necessarily the point of the conversation. I know we're, we're really we're just having like kind of a yeah, meta. Just a band a, yeah, spitball. like what's going on with bands is the title of this episode, apparently. But <laughs> uh, a, a legit question that I think could be helpful to people. We've determined, and like this is, I'll just reiterate it, but it's so true that there's almost no better way to get better than playing with people, yeah. playing with a band. I think it's why so many kids uh, start bands when they're young and get good. It's also why so many great musicians historically come from churches because you just grow up playing, playing music. I right. grew up playing in church. Um, so how do people... I mean, I mean, I can almost answer the question as I ask it, but I'll ask it anyway. Uh, maybe they don't even want to start a band or be in a, a band long term. Let's have a conversation. What do you do? Because it is advantageous to to play with people. Yeah. Uh, would we? I mean, if you're a kid, if you're in church, play in church. If you're a kid, maybe grab some friends and start a band, even if you don't have like aspirations to be the next Nirvana. Yeah. But and, like, what, what do we? What would we tell people? Because it is so valuable. How do we get people in there? I mean, there is today. You know, when I when it was me. In fact, I I remember that band that um, I played with. They. Uh, I, I found them on Craigslist. That was the way back yeah. then. You know, yeah. it was yeah, like yeah. somebody put up an ad looking for it. It was, it was almost like a casual encounters type situation. <laughs> yeah. Wanted. Like, yeah. 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 You know, but we, you, um, yeah. brown eyes. They described some stuff that they were into and like, yeah. hey, we've got a band. We're looking for a bass player. I was like, that's me, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and that's how we. But there is so many. Um, I don't know any of the names of them because I haven't looked to be in a band for a long time. Sure, sure. Uh, uh, but there was so many, there is so many different little like um internet uh forums for yeah. now finding band i don't know members. them but there have to be yeah there no i know be. there is yeah. i've seen them and i just i don't nothing yeah. comes to my mind or whatever but i know that they exist yeah and i think about that a lot which is like now it's it's as easy as getting onto one of those sites and start just finding people like first off just by proximity yeah you know and sure. like well, yeah, who's, yeah. who's closest to me yeah. and then that the next step is like what music are they making and for yeah. me back then I was just as likely to join a metal band as I was to join sure. a Christian I know, rock you're band. Just, you would have jammed, yeah, yeah, jammed just, with anyone. I was just desperate to get back into sure. making music, especially after leaving the military and like all that. So it was like uh, having that as an as an option to to be like, oh man, this is actually really cool. And I remember I went out and I auditioned for the band, and the guitarist was making fun of me later. For, actually, probably for like the rest of the band because I. Um, I auditioned by playing some tool songs, you know, that I knew. I was like, you know, I was like, yeah, man. I, and I was like, I was like, he was like, well, yeah. Shout yeah, out Maynard. Show, yeah. And he was like, show me some stuff. And I like, you know, played like some riffs and stuff. Yeah. And they're like, all right, well, you, you're probably good enough to learn what we're doing and everything. And then they played what they were doing. And I was like, oh, this is going to be hard. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we, we, we immediately knew like, hey, we're all kind of on the same page of sure. what we're doing, you know, and where we're going with this. And so that was the first thing. And I was pretty desperate to join a band. So like I said, I would have probably joined almost anything, but sure. I was glad it was those guys because we also built one of the things outside of music that um, that I think is so, so important about bands is, man, some of my best memories, not even just, not not even the shows, you know? Like I remember one of my favorite moments of all time was we got invited to play in, um, um, Wichita Falls, which is like in Texas, it's it's like a, 
it, it, it's like a boondock city. It's it's almost okay. a city, but it sure. is it's out there. And the the show was at a, a VFW, dude. Classic. Yeah. And it was, was like it just post it, army for you, or, or yeah, 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 yeah. It was it was after I got out, and so we played. We, they they invited us to play at this uh, VFW. Forgive me for saying army. No, it's all right. I don't army. I don't care. People all the time say that. I'm just like whatever. It's all the same to me. Sure. I don't give a shit. Yeah. You know, um, I'm past that like. Marines, Army, Navy yeah. thing. I mean, yeah. I like to make fun of people in the Army all the time, but it's different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, one, uh, we play this show at the VFW, and it, I remember it being a horrible show for yeah. us. Like, it was a good show in terms of the crowd. Yeah. You know, like, there was a lot of cool, like, kids there. And it was also one of the, the benefits of playing these small-town shows and stuff is that Kids in small town shows have nothing else to do on a Saturday oh, than to come yeah. out to a day long yeah. metal festival yeah. in quotations for people who can't see yeah. it. Uh, a day long metal fest. Yeah. You know? And we played later in the evening or whatever, but we um we played this show and I remember specifically uh I broke a bass string like halfway through the set and I just kept playing the set, like nice. transposing around it the Knowing whole time your, and everything. the genre you were in, that was probably a it valuable was, bass string. It was, yeah, it was yeah. super valuable yeah. bass string. Yeah. It was actually my lowest bass string and I needed Man. it super bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I just, I just played through it. But then after the show... Because you're missing a string, every every seventh bar, you're quiet. <laughs> yeah. You, know I mean? you have to miss whatever, Actually, you know whatever riff is happening you know for the 11th really, time. you know what's really, really funny about that? Because uh, we, this, we were playing... It was a drop C sharp band. We all played everything in drop C sharp. So my... So I had my lowest... <laughs> yeah, my lowest note was also yeah. my, my, my D string, yeah. you know, or D tune D string. Like the thickest gauge strings you could? Uh, or you just yeah, mostly, mostly. I, so I was playing pretty there. thick then, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but uh, because I didn't have because I didn't have my low my low C sharp, I would literally hold the same note on my higher C sharp and nice. then just hit the shit out of my bass yeah. while I was doing yeah. it. So I was still getting like this like thumpy sure. kind of tonal thing. Wow. But I mean, it's kind of genius. It yeah. was very funny to have happen in the middle of a set because it was like my own. I only had one bass. I didn't have yeah. an extra yeah, bass, yeah. you know. And I just kept going the whole way through the set so um but then after the set the guy who runs this this show he was like the guy in town who f funny enough i've met not this exact guy but this type of person oh, 100%. about yeah. seven thousand times types. in my career which yeah. is like the, the guy who full of types the guy who's like in his you know mid-20s late 20s or whatever and he's the guy that just keeps throwing shows in in his town and yeah. Yeah. it's all like most of the bands that he's finding are like kids in high school and yeah. shit like that yeah. and he's kind of he's not making really any money off of this like he probably only made like a couple hundred bucks off of the whole thing yeah. after at the end of the day but um but he's throwing parties afterwards, yeah. you know? And he's like, yo guys, just, I know you gotta get back to Dallas, but just stay out and hang out and we'll, uh, and we'll, and we'll have a kegger afterwards yeah. at my place, right? And this kegger was, it, it had to have been one of the funniest moments in my entire life because first of all, for some reason, my pregnant girlfriend wanted to come to this show. Perfect. So we go after the show, we go to this kegger. She's pregnant, you know, yeah. like she's like big pregnant, yeah. you know, like Kayla right now pregnant, right? Say, shout out my wife. Yeah, you know, like pregnant, pregnant. Yeah. And and we get drunk as hell at this at this after party. And this guy comes up to me and he goes, I'm keeping my eye on you. And he pulls his eye out. He's got a glass eye. Oh my God. He pulls his eye out and he just sets it on the top of my wow. my beer. And I'm like, what the fuck? And my girlfriend's like, 
this is the most disgusting Jeez. thing we've ever. She talks about it all the time because it's really funny. Yeah. Because um, we got really, really drunk, and then we're going to leave. And I was supposed to drive home, but I was when we went to leave the party, I was too drunk, sure. you know. And so I end up passing out as soon as we get to the van. Wow. <laughs> and then she's awake while we're driving back, and our guitarist was sober but he was it was late you know yeah. it was like in the middle of the night you yeah. know and we're driving back and he keeps kind of falling asleep while we're yeah. driving and shit and she keeps trying to wake me up and she's like scully's falling asleep wake your ass up like do yeah. something about this and i'm yeah. like oh, just out Man. in the back you know? i'm sure and, the story's not funny to her oh yeah actually she still does kind of talk about it because my daughter actually recently she told this sure. story to my daughter nice. she's like yeah yeah at like, least entertainment. This is now. how this is how lucky you are to be alive. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> these idiots, you yeah. know, that I'm hanging out with, <laughs> and um, and that story still. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a good 15, 16, 15 years later at least, yeah. you know, and it's still one of my favorite stories. For sure, like, I know what like, you're getting at. Yeah, this whole yeah, yeah. thing, and and it had nothing to do with the show. It was a horrible show for me. It wasn't. Yeah. It was okay, pause really like quick. Shit. I have to. Uh, and we'll get back to the real, like, help, hopefully helpful topic. <laughs> give me, and I have, I have so many answers. I'm gonna have to think about mine. What is? Give us like a classic shit show of a show. You just got to have a, a great story. Maybe that's it. That's a great story right yeah, there. Uh, but well, what's I mean, one of the worst, worst venues? Worst. I, I, I mean, I mean I'm having this a few one come was, to mind. Was probably close. Sure. Perfect. Right? It's like Perfect. you're talking yeah. about, uh, you know. Maybe one PA speaker and only nice. the vocals are going through. It's it. a PV from 1992. Right, right, exactly. You know? yeah. And, Blown and horn. it's just in front of the singer. Sure. Right. Yeah. And he's yeah, yeah. screaming into Plug it direct, the yeah, whole yeah. time. Plugged natural, directly into natural it. Distortion. No mixing. No. Yeah. In fact, I remember specifically being like, oh, no, no front, of, no sound guys here, huh? All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I guess this is how we're doing. And yeah. but that was actually one of the coolest things. Is like that was also kind of what our vibe was. For was sure. Like, yeah, yeah. Was like. You know, we when we practiced in in the living room, is everybody do your own sound? Everybody sure. get your own levels. Yeah, yeah that's garage and, style. And you're yeah. like somebody halfway through being like, "Hey, man, you need to come down yeah, a yeah, little yeah. bit." You know, like you're way too loud, and yeah. I'm I'm maxed out over Dude, here, bro. Not to add a lesson to it, but that's a great point. You do learn like self dynamics and yeah. self mixing. Yeah, I'm not even talking from a mixing or producer perspective. I just mean as a band. Yes, you get to a place. Dude, we a band I was in for years. I'm actually still in an sort of you could say an iteration of a band that started with me and a buddy when we were like. 12 right, right. so it keeps going shout out emerson novel nature check out our stuff <laughs> um, but my point is you you learn like you practice two three four times a week when you're a kid you got nothing better to do right you get really good yeah and you start to you you show up to shows they don't have a pa you're like whatever we mix we yeah. sound great anyway yeah because we're we used to self-regulating in the garage i remember actually like the first time there was this place in dallas um called skillman street which was like yeah. a bar right okay. and it was the one of the very well there was a lot of venues in dallas that were like somewhat legit you yeah. know but i remember going to that place specifically the first time and the sound guy was this dude james and i i, I only remember him because every time we went there we're like oh james is working tonight man we're yeah. gonna we're gonna get mics on the fucking guitar <laughs> amps it's gonna be fancy yeah we're gonna get mics he's got monitors for all of us i remember I him going through this was the first time anybody was like okay cool bass what do you need in your monitor wow and i was like probably felt like a king i did yeah. i was like yeah 
Oh, shit. I'll take a burger. I don't even, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what to ask for, yeah. man. What can we get? Yeah. You know? What can I <laughs> yeah. get? What's that's the so options? Good. Dude, that's the perfect so, question. So that show playing in Wichita Falls, like, we were, you know, that was, it was trash. It was absolute yeah. trash. It was like, there was nothing good. Uh, we were all self-regulating. It, yeah. it was like, bring your own shit and make yep. sure it's loud enough to get, yeah. you know, uh, over everybody else. In and when you play shows like that, you're not, um, you can't rely on uh, a mix or anything like Dude. that. So it's yeah. like, Somebody standing in front of me is going to hear all bass, yeah. and then somebody on the other side is going to hear all guitar. Have you ever and, played, though, a show with sound system that's so bad that you actually wish? Just like, could you just shut it down, and we'll do our own thing? Because uh, I know we would sound better than whatever is going on out there. You know what I'm talking I, about? Yeah, yeah. Oh, like, absolutely. Just let, us, just let us pump I, our amps. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a side story on that. Uh, I, did a, I did a thing here at East West with um, Greg Fillingains on keys. And, yeah. and was Nathan, this recent? Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. It was like maybe... Couple months ago or whatever, that, yeah. and Nathan East on bass, and at some point in time, they were like, "Look, we're not going to get good sound in here. Everybody, just do your own thing." Yeah, <laughs> like just I was like up. sitting over there, just like, "Fuck, man, Nathan East thinks I'm an idiot." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. but it was like you know, they basically had been like, "Hey, man, we're not, we're not going to everybody regulate your shit. Sure. Drums yeah, yeah, try yeah. and be like a thing, you yeah. know, and that's what it was." And, yeah. and and I think that that's that's a really special thing. Now, unfortunately, especially when it comes to drummers, yeah, you know. You're very lucky if you can hear anything but your drums sure. whenever you're playing. Yeah. You know, you're very lucky if you can hear any of the other shit Dude, going on. I don't on. want to brag, but I will. I will say it weathered me. Speaking of all this, the lessons you learn playing in, in shitty garage bands, or for me growing up, I still play in church, but the quality's like, the yeah. sound has gotten so much better at yeah. a high production level. But when I grew up in like, you know, old, like living room style Pentecostal church, uh, I got used to not hearing anything. Right. So if I do say so myself, I'm a champ on stage. Right. Not that I don't want to hear. I'm happy. If I get to hear things well, then oh, great. I'll take it. But I don't need to hear anything because I was used to that one PV speaker being the only house speaker. Right. And it being like, instead of facing at the audience, it was actually just in the corner. So the stage and the it was a monitor and right. it was the house. Right, right, right. Uh, so I'm, you know what I mean? I'm yeah, so weathered. Absolutely. Right, I have to share. I have a million stories I could share, but I'm going to share one of the worst shows. Jeez. Uh, I was on a tour with a band. Uh, and we played San Diego and we had, uh, I had family in San Diego. My mom's like extended cousins shout out if they ever listen to this, they won't, but I, I love them. <laughs> um, but they, uh, they knew we were in town and so they wanted to come see us, which was really sweet. But to them probably late forties at the time. And I'm in like my early twenties <clears throat> to them. It was like, like a nice night out. They, they, they came in dressed like they were going to a cocktail <laughs> party. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm, I'm, I know they're coming, and I'll paint the picture of the, the venue. Uh, it's just a total dive bar. There is, I don't, to this day, I don't know what it is, but there's like some version of softcore Batman porn playing on all the TVs. <laughs> I'm not kidding at all. And like, you know, people playing pool. It's casual. Oh it just wasn't even a thing, right? Yeah. But to, to my conservative Christian family who hasn't seen me since I was five, right? right? They're so excited. They come dressed. I'm, like, do you, you ever like see someone and they're, this is a little bit of a, a sidebar, but like you see someone who's dressed uh, in a non-fitting, too fancy for the occasion kind right, of way, absolutely. and you kind of cringe for them. Yeah. It was like that. You're like, they oh. came in too too nice, and I felt responsible because I'm like, I, you know, you, you, my mom told you I'm in town, and they just came ready to, you know, to go clubbing, uh, and it was just the shittiest dive bar, softcore Batman porn. The bat, the whole. This is just one picture, <laughs> one specific picture of the club to, to, oh, that's God. indicative of how the the entire club was kept. The the men's bathroom, just the, the hallway to the bathroom, but specifically the men's bathroom. Uh, 
some kind of liquid you yeah. can imagine seeping out from the bo- oh, of course. door into yeah. the hallway. Yeah. This is normal club stuff, by the way. Yeah. Um, to this day, I, I still love the smell of like cigarettes, urine, and and beer. <laughs> yeah. And I don't smoke or drink. You yeah. know that. Yeah. I lo- it just smells like a club to me. Yeah, it I, lo- like I can't. I don't know why, uh, but I a, love and, it. And a tiny bit of bleach. Well, depend. Sure. Uh, an amount of bleach. Sure. Yeah, You're yeah. definitely going to smell a a tinge 100%. or full on bleach. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But there's a little comfort to that. They tried. Yeah. You know what I mean? yeah. Like, they were definitely trying to clean up. I'm not gonna pee and get tetanus from touching the toilet. <laughs> so liquid seeping out into the hallway. And again, cocktail dresses behind me. <laughs> seeping out of the hallway. In the bathroom, the urinal overflowing into a an overflow bucket, <laughs> which is overflowing into the water right, right, piss right. combo that I'm explaining on the floor. So that's this that's it right there. I could tell you so much more. And it was like it was so uncomfortable. The thing I will say is that it was actually like a second cousin. They were way into music. They were total champs about it. They didn't make it weird for me. And we killed the show. Right. Killed it. Uh, I think it was called the Red Room at the time. I don't know. It wouldn't matter. This was like early 2010s, right. 2011, 12, somewhere in there. Whatever. We killed the show. They actually did have it. It was one of those clubs. You know this. If anyone plays in bands, you know. Uh, nice is not always indicative of cool. Right. So it was a cool spot. Right. It was a dope club. Uh, and the venue sounded great. Some dope indie bands. And we killed it. So yeah. They were champs about it. They, they didn't make it weird for me, which is like kind of a, a, a pleasant twist to the story. That is one of the most uncomfortable shows I played. And I played many. We could uh, we could do a whole I mean, episode you, about you kind of, you just, you gave me a little... A little Let's memory thing. I, the, I think the last time I saw my mom, which was, um, this was when, uh, before my daughter Onspot. was, before my daughter was born. Uh, so this was probably like 15 years ago or something yeah. like that. She came down to Dallas after I'd gotten out of the military oh, wow. weekly, yeah. and I took her to a metal club yeah. <laughs> and I brought, you got to understand. I my have mom an insensitive joke, but is this why you haven't maybe seen her? Maybe five foot one. Did you do this to her? This is why she won't talk to you. No, no, no. I do, I choose not to talk to her. Sure, I'm sorry. So, you brought yeah, it up. You brought it but, up. But uh, no, she um she she and I'm a she supportive came to this, friend of Will. She's I like am. I'm not five a total foot dude. tall, maybe almost as round as she is tall. In this fucking this dive bar metal club in Dallas, wow. you know, and and like dude, people are mocking. Was your dad and, tall or something? We're about to say we're probably both. You're six um, foot. I'm yeah, about my, six yeah, foot. You're tall. Foot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah six we're foot. My, no, how did you get to? To this height, honestly, with my, my brother and I are one. both six foot. My dad's like maybe five eleven, wow. five ten. There's hope like for that. you, but if you it's got very parents, strange. That's all su- of it's just really surprising to the me. The women in my family are all like five foot one, right? My wow. sisters are both like yeah. five two or whatever. My daughter looks like she's probably going to top out at maybe like five five max, you know. And my wow. my ex is like five six, five seven, yeah. something like that. So she's I know that doesn't matter one, at but, all. But yeah, we're about just, the same height, and yeah. I'm like. Five, well, how'd you yeah. come from a mom? Yeah, I don't nine? know. My mom is very tiny. Wow. Uh, which okay, was always. Continue. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's, it's a good, it's good background, you know, to, to know that <laughs> my mom lost the ability to beat the shit out of me when I was probably about twelve. So sure. Yeah, yeah. You surpassed her quickly. Yeah. So uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. You were saying she came to Dallas. No, that, was, that was the last time I ever saw her. Was she came to this show in Dallas, and we went to a and we played a show at, a, in this club. Uh, and, and it was just, I mean, it was like that. It was like, you know, sure. it was like you go into the yeah. bathroom and it's just graffiti everywhere. Yeah. And like the, the toilet is permanently just like pouring out water and shit. Dude. And it smells just like piss everywhere. Yeah. And, you, you know, it's like, cool, mom, this is what I do. <laughs> yeah. 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 Dude, there is a, like a, a badge of honor, a card that you, you stamp when you use the bathroom at a club like that. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Especially for girlfriends. Oh yeah. God bless oh, yeah, absolutely. my wife now. For, for some of the situations I put her in. Oh, in the I, back of in the back of vans, five hour drives to the other side of the well, state with four guys. And that's what I was guys. talking about when we were coming back from that show. Pre cancel culture. This is so <laughs> funny. We did not have we only in that van that we had, 
uh, we had this big like F three fifty Econoline, yeah. line, the standard you know yeah. like molester van type situation. Yeah, that's the joke I was making. By the way, there was there's nothing there is nothing more crass. You were in the Marines, so maybe you disagree. For me, it was full love, and it wasn't me. But there's nothing more crass than a van full of four to five guys. Yeah. The molester van. Yeah. Not a funny joke, but, but still. <laughs> it is pretty funny. It's funny. But you know what I mean? There's nothing yes. worse. I'm saying it in a self-deprecating we way. Didn't there's even nothing have... worse than being in a van with four or five boys. Oh, my God. Traveling we didn't cross even country. Have... We only had... We... There was only two seats in this van. It was the front two seats. You pulled them all out to put gear in, huh? Yeah. Well, of no, course. they didn't. We didn't even have them. Like, I don't oh, even think they Oh, this was like existed. legit, like a painter van. I think there was like maybe seats at one point in time, but sure. it was like the singer's dad gave him this van and then that was what we used and like- Got it, yeah. And like- We would pull out the middle row, so we had a back row and a front row. Yeah, we had we had nothing in the back and then we put beanbag chairs. <laughs> How are you alive, dude? I don't know, man. I don't know. I remember this one time. This, this And again, this is great- evidence to this whole point sure. right Join about a band. Yeah. joining a band yeah. and the things you like will go because you have to just you know it's like well what do we have we got we got this we got this yeah. piece of shit trailer and we got this van and uh and i remember this one time we were actually on our way to the studio to record and i'm driving and we're cruising along and all the guys in the back you know it's texas all the guys are in the back for the band getting drunk you sure. know like yeah. drinking and we're i'm driving and there's like our manager who was not a manager at all but she's in the front seat yeah. with me shout out right? most managers yeah who shout out managers. most managers who like work with local bands yeah. and shit you're not yeah. a manager shut up yeah uh good 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 attempt though yeah. uh <laughs> thanks for booking that one show where we got 12 dollars in for free real. drinks you yeah. know yeah, yeah, yeah but um you know, I'm driving it and we get pulled over as I'm taking an exit. We get pulled over and the cop comes up and it's Texas. So I'm like, guys, just everybody shut the fuck up and let yeah, me handle this. Be all right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get out of the van, which is like the one thing you're never supposed <laughs> yeah. to do. Like stay in the fucking you vehicle. You were only like, not shot. Yeah. You're I got out of the van and I'm like, hey, how's it going? I come up to him. Like, I'm, and he's like, can I? He's like, uh, hey, he's like, uh, you know, you got just, out of the van. I and, and, and he's like, um, he's like, well, you should, you know, why don't you get back in the van? I was like, oh, yeah, sure. No problem. I just, you know, I, uh, I, I have trouble, you know, I'm like my, I have trouble sitting, you know, in the van. I was just taking an opportunity to stretch the legs, you know, after I got shot, you know, it's, uh, you know, like immediately. And he's like, purple and he's heart. like, you got a, you got an ID yeah. on you and everything. And I was like, oh, I was like, you know I do what? have I, my purple heart. I, I, I said, I don't, I don't have uh, my driver's license on me. I think I forgot it at home, but you, I, you can use my, my VA ID to did. look me up Hell if yeah. you need to, you know, and, and what's the VA it for ID, if not for that? The VA ID says on the bottom purple heart and yeah. everything. And I'm yeah. like, cool. Yeah. This is gonna texas, be great baby. Yeah, yeah texas and he yeah. goes back and he <laughs> this is the best this again i don't the band stuff is cool i don't promote this part but he opens up the back door to the van yeah. and literally cans start dumping out beer cans start <laughs> dumping out yeah. onto the ground yeah and he looks in and there's just a band back there yeah. you know scummy looking tattooed yeah. up metal heads yeah and he goes everybody 21 and uh, and he and everybody's like yeah 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 he's like all right I'll be right back and he goes back to his car assumingly runs my ID sure, or whatever to sure. make sure I don't have any warrants yeah. or anything Hopefully he comes he's back a and he, yeah and he's, he's like he's like all right man he's like you know you you know you you you've survived this long you should probably make an attempt to survive longer if you can well put yeah and yeah, yeah. and he's like you know enjoy yourself or whatever and he and he gives me an id back and we just go on our way wow. and texas. everybody in shout the out van texas. is like shout out purple hearts how the fuck did you do that yeah. <laughs> and i was like oh man all right 
Texas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Texas, and your appreci your blind appreciation for military for members. Real, Love it. For real. Man, once we uh again, so many stories, and we'll get back to the point. But this is all a part of the point. Yeah, this We're is proving the, point. the fun. This Join is the a point. band. Yeah. Join a band. Best You'll memories. You'll get skill and memories you just couldn't garner otherwise. Uh we were once on a tour and played the whiskey, or it might have been the Roxy. Either way, they're right next to each other. Yeah. Full circle life stuff. It's so funny. I won't dox my son, but my son goes to school very close to those clubs. And it's bizarre for me. I run to his school probably two or three times a week. And when I'm like done with my run, I'll get like a Gatorade at a gas station that is across the street from right. the Whiskey and the Roxy, which is a very interesting, it's a kind of a fun, surreal moment for me where I'm like, I right. remember being 22 right. playing, playing those place. clubs. And thinking, wow, this is the best ever. Totally. So, now it's such so a big deal. Now you're like, Ugh. Yeah, I respect what they are historically. I will say, this is not why I brought this up. I actually have a story about dingy vans stories. But uh, the coolest club over there, Whiskey was whatever. Again, historically, they're cool. Yeah. But I've done the Viper. We did the Whiskey. We like legit shows. Yeah. It was cool. I feel like they were a little cooler back then. Uh, it makes it sound like it's way, but it was like, again, 2011, 12, somewhere in there. Yeah, even then, though, way, it, was the, it was still on the, the rocks, reasonable of a rocks venue. Rocks is cool on the Rocks. You played there? Mm -hmm. Heard that? I, I've the, been there. I it's a bar there. above. It's like just a right. cool little bar. It's much smaller. You'd think it's less prestigious, but it's so much cooler. That was the coolest LA show we came. We were from Seattle. We played all those uh, Sunset Strip clubs that were were popping right. at the time. But that was dope. Point is, we we the, when we played, it was either the Roxy or the Whiskey. If you don't know, they're right, like literally a block apart. So one of those two were parked outside. A couple homeless guys, God bless them, walked by asking for money, and they hadn't looked in the van. Where a couple a uh, couple of the guys in the band were standing outside smoking. Uh, don't tell their moms. I don't think their moms knew they smoked. <laughs> uh, but we were a bunch of good Christian kids. And they were out smoking, and but the doors were open, and the the homeless guys uh, ask if I think they ask if they have any change or something, and they just happened to glimpse in the van, and they were like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry, you guys are homeless too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it looked yeah. so rough yeah. in there that they just assumed immediately Yo, okay, they felt it. bad. Yeah. Immediately yeah. like, oh, never. Oh, God bless you guys. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell <laughs> you. We, we lost a, it. If, if any of our audience is, in fact, homeless or unhoused. Houseless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Houseless, yeah, yeah. you know, unhoused. Uh, yeah, don't don't bother asking bands for money. They ain't yeah, got Yeah, they knew there. right away. Yeah. And again, the, the funny part of it is just the van looked so rough yeah. that they immediately felt bad. They probably yeah. would have offered us something if they, yeah, had, right. they had something to offer. Join a band. Okay, I don't know if there's a really a, a way to, to zip, not that this has to be over, but like no, to circle I, it back to purposefulness. But legit, like we'll try to keep, let's really Really try to answer it because I, I want to get this out for people join if you can join a band join a band if you can play if you're a kid and, and and maybe in the church world I mean it that's that's my world and it has been super valuable musically play at church if you can what else how else do people I know we've sort of answered it but like uh, so what, I, what can people do if or look, if they can't do those things one maybe of they the can't, things, how do they get experience playing with people uh, well I mean of course uh, first off like uh you having that, a band and yeah, getting yeah, a band yeah. and like getting that all together that's like the first step you sure. find people who are similar interests and all that stuff but I have always historically appreciated the 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 self movers of of the world sure. where they're yeah. like look no venue's going to have us yeah. you know like and and even now like I mean that when we talk about the Roxy yeah. and, and the Rainbow Room and well, and the Viper yeah. Room and yeah. all those places now is the Viper still there Yeah the Viper's still there is I think really? it is anyways sure, uh sure. uh those places have and and uh, this is worldwide and i remember it's when it started for us sure. you know it's like when i was living in dallas this was 2009 ish you know 2008 2009 uh it started with this pay to play model where it's sure. no longer you know it's like this became a business model right where it's yeah. like somebody yeah, yeah. is like cool i'm pretty good at finding bands yeah. what i'll do is get these bands to buy 
20 tickets from totally. me at $10 yeah. a piece. And then now if you have any hope of making money, you have to sell the sell, tickets. Resell because then those you already tickets, has right. Yeah. And you're not getting anything from that. So yeah. it's like, you're not making any money. And so um, this became the standard for a lot of places, especially those legendary places like sure. the Viper Room yeah, and yeah. all that and the Roxy. Because, Tell it was for us probably. Right. I don't remember, yeah, but I'm, I'm certain it was that way. Because that became the business model. The business model was no longer, we're making money off the audience or we're making a show that can bring people to it. Sure. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to make these bands pay to bring their audience to us. Yeah. Right. And then they made their nut whether people come or not. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, we, uh, even then I remember thinking to myself, like we talked about this when we started getting t-shirts made, you yeah. know, it was like the, the first people who bought our t-shirts were like family and friends and yeah. shit. And it was like, man, I didn't start a band to make money off of my family and friends. Yeah. You know, that yeah. was not why I got into this. And so we started thinking, how can we do shows? How can we put stuff on without getting those people who are just taking money from us and yeah. like exploiting us? How can we do it? And the answer was throw our own parties and sure. like do yeah. our own yeah, yeah, shows. Yeah. And, and I, you know, it was definitely a little bit tougher because I'll tell you, uh, shout out, well, I mean, I don't ever shout any cops out, but <laughs> ACOB, Lancaster Police or whatever. But uh, they used to have to make nightly trips out to my place sure, to yeah, tell us, yeah, hey, y'all, yeah. it's, it's 10, 11 p.m. It's time to stop yeah, yeah, yeah. getting drunk in the yard with 500 people like, standing yeah. out there and everything. And we would just we'd throw our own shows. We'd do our own stuff. And there is still a world where it's like once you start a band, right, you now have a little collection of musicians, and then the next step is like, okay, what bands are like us, or who sure. who's around yeah. us doing this stuff? So then that answer is the next thing is like, okay, like you guys have a little bit of a fan base, yeah. you know, even if it's twenty people who will come out to see your show, sure. and then now you got twenty, 20 would be killer for twenty of people. your own people that will yeah. come out to show, and then you're like, okay, cool, and then you start doing these things where it's like, well, now we have forty people at a yeah. show, you know, and then yeah. and then you get another band, and now we have sixty people at yeah. a show, and like, cool, all right, so now we got three bands that are all willing to do this. Let's just do our own show. Now yeah. the problem comes in is like everybody wants to be the headliner, sure, yeah, you know? but. No, uh, no, 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 no. Middle spot. Yeah, middle best. spot is actually the case. move because because after the middle band plays, Headline, unless you're unless you really got some weight behind you, I spent a few years where we were kind of heavyweights locally. That was that was fun to headline. Otherwise, and I can speak this from experience too. I'm just trying to brag. There comes a time where headlining is not the vibe. Right. You want to be that you know second to last, yeah. middle somewhere yeah. in the middle. You still got fans around. How many headlining shows have you played? I'm not trying to like pull your point out from underneath you but have you played those headlining shows where you you play second or third and you're in the sweet spot by the time it gets to the headliner who's like maybe seemingly a legit right. band yeah. all the first like bands fans left 18 and a half people left yep. they're yep. drunk and, and I, three of them actually, are wives for a long time i i remember like the 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 last spot wasn't the headline spot anymore sure it yeah. Was, yeah yeah that's it true. was they maybe like two it. bands and then a headliner yeah. quote unquote yeah and then a, like a shit band yeah. that then, you know, was like the closer and the, the closer played to like five people. Totally. You know, you know what like, they started doing in, in Seattle? And maybe this is, I'm sure this was a thing elsewhere, uh, running a DJ set after. Right. So they would advertise right. for it, which was a good way because in the late night people who want to hang are probably right. going to get what they want from the DJ set anyway. Right. Yeah, because nobody what, actually wants, off, once but. you've heard the third band play that you actually wanted to see, you're all kind of like burned out on listening yeah, to feed live us, music. Yeah, feed us some wedding music. We'll, you know? we'll just vibe out. Especially when like, 
fetus smasher and you know and all these crypt morning you know we're all we're all playing before and then like you know then we're like okay cool all right thanks like i'm pretty tired of listening to even even i'm sick of listening to metal music totally yeah you have a self-aware moment what are you doing guys yeah oh that's hey hey, have you guys considered maybe we should start a christian rock band (laughs) (laughs) that's too much for me i'm three bands deep and i'm I'm having a self-realization i love this i think uh a lot of this speaks to me to like trying to make like make connections locally. I think everyone's heads go to the internet first, which is a decent route, yeah. by the way. If you play music, why not post a little bit about your music, connect with other people, try to do it locally. But there is still, like people still live where they live. What right. I'm trying to say, I'm not trying to sound like a boomer, but like not everything is on the internet. People right. are still alive in your area. Find people to jam with. They're probably, whether you know it or not, there's some version I'm speaking to people out there, but there's likely some version of a scene yeah. at the very least, especially if you're young, we keep saying, I don't say the word uh, kid like derogatorily, but if you're young, you're a kid, you're going to find people who want to jam. Right. Uh, and it if doesn't have to be great. If right you're away. in college, there's three people in your dorm right 100%. now that do something yeah. that they, you know, and it's like, yeah. I, the hardest is usually finding in those situations is finding the drummer, you know, like sure, they, sure. they exist, yeah. but like. Where's their shit at and yeah. what's the condition of it? You <laughs> yeah. know? And is there anywhere we can set it up? Right, yeah. right. But like, yeah. you know, it's like there's always that world where anytime you put uh, anytime you put 20 people in a room, four of them are musicians. And if you're lucky, sure. yeah. they're not all just guitarists. Uh, side, side story on this. Uh, so back in the day, whenever I was an assistant here, they used to do this thing. And I think they still have it. But um, I haven't seen it in a long time. So I don't, and I wear the shirt ironically all the time. But there's this thing called Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, right? Nice. And right. what it is is they get um, – it's basically a bunch of, like, older, wealthier professionals. Guys, yeah. who, guys who gave up music to become a lawyer or become a doctor or become, you know, some sure. sort of professional yeah. thing where they couldn't keep doing that stuff. Because, you know, as, as you know, if you're going to become a doctor – for the first, you know, yeah, seven you're years you're doing that, time for you are doing that. Yeah. So then they're like, now they're like in their thir- late 30s, early 40s, and they're like, shit, man, I miss playing in a band. So the, what they do is they like do these basically like week-long camps, yeah. you know, like, and, and... I've never heard of it, but I know oh, where you're it's, going. Oh, it's Killer. very funny. Yeah. Because it is like a bunch of dudes who like, you know, played in high school, kind of still, they they probably bought a drum set two years ago because yeah. they're like, I miss playing drums. Now yeah. that I have money, I can buy some nice shit, you know? Sure, yeah. And so, and, but they're, they're, they're older. So they're like, well, I don't know who to play with. And it's like hard to find and everything. And, and so they would do these, these camps, right? And it would be like, four days of hanging out with other musicians and they would build, it it was almost like a reality show where they would build a band, right? Of all the K and they might have like maybe four bands total that they assembled out of this. Right. And they build a band and then they would work with some aging rocker who may or may not be somebody cool. You know, it's always like the guitarist from, you know, from, from fucking, you know, uh, Alice Cooper yeah, 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 yeah. or some shit, you yeah. know, where it's like somebody like... Someone's wh- famous adjacent. Adjacent, like, yeah, yeah. Where, where like nobody really knows that person's name, but whenever you say it, you know, yeah. they're like, yeah, man, this guy. And like, some familiarity. And then you get a cockhead there, yeah. look and, the, yeah. and then somebody goes, you know, the bass player from, you yeah. know, yeah. and then, oh, right, right, yeah. right. So that would be like their camp counselor and yeah. he would be like teaching them through the week. And then at the end of the week, the last thing that they would do is they would go to the studio yeah. and record 
the song that they worked yeah. on the week and, and wrote together. I've right? done versions of this, but kids like rock, you know, right, rock right, and roll yeah. Fans. It's like rock and school roll, of rock type uh, stuff, yeah. Well, yeah, school of rock yeah. thing, but it's like for adults, right? Sure, I, I didn't but know that. It's killing. Almost every single, every single one, it was always like. Yeah, we got two drummers in this band. <laughs> like, That's so there's good. there's no singer, but we got two drummers, yeah. you know, or like some oh, shit like classic, that. And it was yeah. always like that. So it was like I understand it is hard yeah. sometimes to find people like doing the thing yeah. that you want to do, and also want to play in a yeah. band, and also and like and like get it. So it's like it is it is a little bit difficult, but. You know, a lot of times, I think almost every band I've ever been in, except for the one that I auditioned to join as a full band yeah. already, uh, started as me and the drummer hanging out, or yeah. me and the guitarist hanging out, or yeah. me and the singer hanging out, and like, and then you know, it's like, well, uh, we don't have a guitar, so I'll play guitar right now, sure. and then like yeah. we meet somebody like, oh, he's a better guitarist than me, like, all yeah. right, I'll play bass, you totally. know, and like, totally. like, yeah. and you just keep shifting around, and I, I even remember the very first band I ever joined, uh, it was just me and a drummer, and then we found a guitarist, and we kicked that guitarist out because he only knew three chords, and then we got a new guitarist, and he was way better, and yeah. then and then we got um, a singer, and then we kicked that singer out, and then we got a new singer, and yeah. then we got a new singer, and then we got a new singer, and then we got a new singer, and yeah. that happened like a good handful of times, and then uh, but uh, you know we just kept building off yeah. of that like thing, and then we, you know we'd play a show, or I remember we played like a school dance you know one point yeah. in time yeah. we played a school yeah, yeah. dance and then people saw us at the school dance and then somebody would come up to us after and be like hey man i play this like yeah. you got it i play guitar like can i be in your band and yeah. you're like it draws people in whenever you're doing it and to speak on what uh what actually started this whole conversation was um this TikTok i just made yeah. yesterday which was in yeah. response to this guy saying you know uh, uh it's a black dude and he's saying i don't see white People, he's like, it's been 10 years since a white dude said yeah. to me, uh, uh, me and my band. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. which growing up, that was like a thing. Even into my 20s and stuff, that was a thing you heard all the time. So oh, goes, oh sure. yeah, man, me and my band get yep. together on the weekends. Yeah. We do this and everything. Yep. And it fell apart a little bit. But... Um, <clears throat> That conversation would happen all the time. It was like, oh, what kind of music do you guys play? Yeah. And then it's like, oh, cool, man. Oh, oh we, I got a band. We do this. And yeah. those conversations lead to conversations that lead to conversations yeah. that lead to building up a, a, a situation. Yeah. And, and I think what the big theme for me in all this is, is like, uh, and social media is a part of this and, and all this shit, but it's a, a band and bands in general are communities. Yeah. You know, it's communities. It's, it's, you maybe meet a bass player from another band and you're a bass player and you're like, oh man, I saw you play. That was really cool. Like I noticed this about your gear or is I, and like, these are all things that outside of just being in the band yeah. are level up moments where yeah. you're like, man, I, I've been searching for the sound that I've never gotten on my own. Yeah. And then I just saw somebody do exactly what I was trying to get. And it's like, oh, wow, that's my learning moment. That's my, yeah. uh, you know, and, and all of these things literally brought me to, being an engineer eventually yeah you know where i was like when i started playing a bass all i knew was this end goes in here and this sure. end goes yeah. in there yeah, yeah and then you know and then it was like oh, oh we got to have a pa so our singer can sing and it's like well how do we connect a pa well this yeah. end goes here and then this end yeah. goes here and then that end goes out to there and then yeah. now we got a whole thing going and and it built up all this knowledge and then naturally became the fascination of how do we, how do we, you know, how, how do we do all that? How do we record what we're doing? Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and a big, big thing, I think, which it, 
for me is the next progression of all this stuff is okay now we have a band yeah we played some shows we feel pretty good about ourselves what's next sure you know yeah. how do we make a song now how do we make a, a song to get into the computer how do yeah. we how do we put this on spotify yeah. Yeah, how do yeah. we show other people this stuff yeah. and that is where some of the coolest things about being a band now which we neglected for a long time yeah. right it's been neglected because we went we kept going down 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 like now we're just a focus right and a microphone yeah. right yeah yeah so how do we record all that stuff how do we get all that stuff in well then that becomes the next progression of like okay uh everybody chip in a little bit of bread and let's get this so that we sure. can all record everything yeah. and circling back to that band i was talking about of these kids you know like they're they're recording their whole thing right now on with a focus right and just like one microphone hanging piece in the room time. yeah 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 not even a piece at a time literally all together still wow but doing it like they did in the 40s and 50s sure. where it's yeah, like yeah. hey we got one, one microphone. Two, three, go. We better the get guitar it. was too loud. Let's move it away a yeah. little bit from the guitar. Let's and this is yeah. literally the genesis of engineering, the Killing. genesis yeah. of, of yeah, recording. Yeah. And and it does not have to be we're looking for the most advanced, perfect sonics yeah. right now. Because yeah. every single part of this is going to be the growth of how how do we how do we all do this? How do we get a drum sound? How yeah. do we put this thing? How do we record as a band and, and do this? And, and, and it's, it's the most fun part to me yeah. about this whole process, which is like, uh, you know, everybody's got their own instrument. Yeah. We can all make a sound on a stage. We can all do this without a PA. We can all do this. So now how do we do this? into the computer yeah right? and, yeah, and yeah. it's it's rad like this is one of the most fun parts for me and how my brain started growing and like and now i literally consider that to be what makes me such a good engineer absolutely is i yeah. started in a band yeah so i have an appreciation for oh my god this guitarist man please bro sure. just turn down yeah like you're at nine just go to fucking six yeah and just like yeah, just yeah. let's and and building this balance among you all, it's yeah. it's something I've I've been talking about recently a lot more, and I'm I'm developing words and phrases sure. for what um, is actually the thing that I'm doing. And one of the things that I'm talking about recently, one of the things that I I'm trying to teach people is a concept that I'm calling mix level tracking. Yeah, you are recording into Pro Tools in a manner that you're, we talked about this the last time. Yeah, it's like, we're, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, you're recording into Pro Tools in a manner that all the faders coming out of Pro Tools are yeah. at zero. Sure, right? yeah. That is just a band on stage. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. is just everybody on stage controlling their sound yeah. and one of you being mature enough to be like, sure. okay, like this is where- Yeah, self-aware you know, of your own dynamics. This is literally one of the biggest fundamental principles of recording to me, especially yeah. recording a band is, recording everything in into a, a, a you know into a DAW in a manner that um it, that it's it's the level you go in is exactly what you need at the end whenever you're sure. making a mix yeah. you know yeah. and we you know minor tweaks and all that of course yeah. but uh that's the whole principle of recording that has really brought me full circle right sure. back yeah. to I think playing in a living room with the homies so true yeah and to talk about what you miss if you don't have experience with a band, not only, like we've articulated already, 
do you not like you won't gain certain skills you won't be able to play with people you'll you'll be able to shred in your bedroom but suck in the studio right not only will you miss that part but what you're talking about the recording knowledge you have an awareness almost this aerial view of the band that goes beyond like i think now a lot of people who are at home producing speaking of now like the juxtaposition of coming from a band and being a solo artist it, it's it's hard to put together a production or a song and make everything cohesive when you're not used to thinking of all the parts and how they work together. Yeah, um, and that's a, that's a knowledge you gain from playing with people, like you said, learning the self awareness. Like your dude, your bass, your your drummer probably speaking up, dude. Like turn your fucking bass down. Right, you're out yeah, of control. All the time. You you don't learn that lesson <laughs> if you're just a solo artist. Right. Not that you can't, but I'm just highlighting with yeah, you. It is it, again. You, those are lessons you learn playing with people, and even I think I, I hear what you're doing. You know, paralleling it with producing and engineering. Now you have an awareness. The aerial view is the best way I can put it of what's coming in, whatever elements are making up the song yes. that you almost can't have if you are just throwing a bunch, let's go back to what we talked about earlier. If in your mind, building a song, if you can't you can't see me, I'm doing air quotes, is just throwing a bunch of splice loops at that are all at, at 100 BPM and in right. the key of C. Right. You know what I mean? Like you, you just can't be aware of everything being cohesive the way that it needs to be if you've not been in a band. Yeah, yeah. I you think can, it's, you can, but there's a value to playing with people. Yeah, yeah, I definitely. And and that's exactly it. It's like, this is the big, like, fundamental principle to me is that, like, that knowledge of getting in and, like, everybody balancing themselves and figuring yeah. each other out and, like... Would you call it mixed level? Mixed level tracking. I like that, yeah. I, I, I like yeah, that. I think it's great because yeah. it literally defines in everything that you're trying to do is, like, you want to sound, as a band mixed sure. before yeah. you go to the front of house yeah. before you go into the computer yeah. before you do any of these things yeah. you should sound complete can i flip it really quick and say because sure. because some, some people might say well like why wouldn't you record if you're thinking technically purely technically why wouldn't you just record it at a good level per that specific instrument regardless of the whole band and yeah. then mix it what i will say is you're speaking of like a creative lesson that uh you, you are recording the song in a creative way. You, you're playing it the way that it should be played um, versus just building it from a bunch of random parts. Right. Um, and that's just awareness. That's just learning dynamics. Yeah. Yeah. And like, again, like when you're building from just all these separate parts, like when we talk about loops in, in the computer yeah. and everything, you're talking about parts that, you know, like, like, a drum loop that is already mastered to a loudness, yeah. you know, that's already pushed us. And the first thing you're doing is pulling that back yeah. down, you know? So when you're talking about this as a recording principle, like the mixed level tracking yeah. thing, this is a gain staging, you know, sure. situation. Yeah. Why, why you should do that instead of, instead of pushing it as, as hard as you can. Sure. Well, it's gain staging. This yeah. is, this is gain staging starting at the player sure. rather than, yep at the at the first mic pre or at the yeah, you know yeah, it's yeah, like totally. you are you're talking about having good gain staging through the entire process totally even yeah. to go to where you're talking about the the way somebody plays you yeah. know like yeah. how hard they're that's digging what i was i didn't articulate it very know? well to, to finish the thought but that's what i'm speaking of it, how it plays if it was just one two three go and everyone play at the same volume right or everyone make sure we're hitting just a little bit of yellow if all you were aware of was the technical part you wouldn't be playing with an awareness of that dynamics yes so you're what we're speaking of it feels technical but what i started to say earlier to flip it on its head this is just playing the song in the, with the emotion yes the dynamic the feel that it needs to have, yeah. recording it with that in mind, not thinking like, okay, everyone's at a good level and then we're good. You right. know what I mean? That would be right. ridiculous. I, I, I had a conversation just recently with a band um, that I'm working on uh, recording in, in later in the year where he was saying, everybody's always telling us how heavy we hit live. Sure. You know, yeah. and it's like how, and, and we've never been able to capture that 
in the record, right? Oh, okay. And and that is, I mean, to me, this is like, I, it's probably one of the most common things like that people say like, oh, well, we don't we don't capture our energy in the record that we sure. do live. Everybody sure. always talks about that. That's yeah. like one of the most common things from a band for people to say is like, yeah, yeah we, we don't get the energy live that we, or in yeah, the, the, in the studio that we dead. get. Yeah. And that is not... I mean, it could be a recording thing for sure. sure yeah. Right. But this is again, understanding like uh, that principle, like, because whenever people get into the studio, it becomes like the, how loud can I turn this up and sure. how loud can I get it into the computer? And it ruins <clears throat> these dynamic principles yeah. and these things that bring us into uh, how a band sounds. Because yeah. my first question when he said that, you know, was like, well, we, you know, never, we, nobody ever, we can't ever capture the, the record as the live thing. It's like, yeah. well, like, are you leaving room for that to be a possibility? Because if you start off everybody loud and everybody going hard, yeah. Yeah. what do you do when you get to the chorus? Sure. What do yeah, you, you got do nowhere to when go. you want to, you got nowhere yeah. to go. There's yeah. all, uh, there is always a limit to the yeah. top. And even though we're living in the 32 bit float point sure. world, yeah. like it, it, there's always going to be a limit to how loud, yeah. loud can actually be. Yeah. And so like playing as a band and doing all this stuff, you learn these principles of like, Hey, okay, like when I hit the chorus, this gain is coming on and this distortion is coming yeah. on and, and the bass is going to do this so that it sounds bigger and the drums are playing more cymbals yeah. and all this stuff. And that is all of these principles really that builds from just being in a living room with a band sure. and knowing yeah. how to feel that way live yeah. already. Yeah. You know? Yep. Uh I want to circle back. You mentioned earlier, you know, and we got we, who, no, no one's going to limit our time, but we're pushing an hour and a half. And can you imagine? Can you guess what I'm going to say? Uh, oh, you got to pee. I have to pee. Yeah, Shane's that's what we pee. can take a break if Shane we have to. We want to keep it going. <laughs> uh, but my point is, no, to circle to the kind of the second half of this. Uh, you touched a little bit on your TikTok, by the way. I do think that's worth mentioning. Although I love the idea of saving that, yes, so we can bring someone on who can really speak to that. Um, but uh, speaking to like the trends, to the pendulum, to bands coming back. <clears throat> I think there are a couple reasons that's happening. First of all, I think like fashion, music has trends and that pendulum is always swinging. Yes. Dare I say that as it swings away from the solo artist rap, you know, solo artist era over to back to bands, uh, that, that it will swing back eventually. Like yes. I'm, I'm just simply calling out like that's how aggressively it swings. Yes. It will swing. It's swinging this way uh, and eventually it will swing back. On top of that though, I also think you mentioned this, uh, we talked about this last week with Tizio. Shout out Tizio. By the time people are hearing this, you will have heard his episode. That was dope. It was good to chat with him. Uh, you guys specifically mentioned feeling like in many ways, um, uh, from the market perspective, like rap is dying. Yes. Um, I think a large portion, You and, and you mentioned that because it's just not viable, was the conversation. We can dig deeper into that another time. If you want to hear more of that conversation, listen to last week's. Again, by the time you're listening to that, that should be possible. Or listening to this, you should be able to go back and listen to that. My point is this, though. As that becomes true, I would add that that doesn't just mean rap maybe isn't viable, but that the market has changed so much that very little is viable. Yeah. And we're in this sort of almost po post-apocalyptic, post-capitalist version of music, right? Now, that's a whole other conversation. Sure. Here's what I'll simply say. Aside from the creative trends, winds shifting, aside from the creative pendulum swinging, as it becomes less viable to be a solo artist, all of a sudden viability doesn't matter. And everything we talked about early on about bands just not being viable, it sort of goes out the window because yeah. it's like, well, shit, it doesn't, it's not viable to do any of it. Yeah. So why wouldn't I just do what I love? Yeah. For, for a while, and I, th now this is a whole other adjacent thought which ties back to your TikTok. 
how many white kids do we know over the last 10 years? No offense to many, many of my friends. I love you all, but who just co-opted rap. Yeah. Right. And this yeah. again ties to your TikTok. We'll get someone on here who, who really deserves to speak to this and we'll let them speak on it. But who co-opted it because to them, not only was it trendy, they wanted to grab some of that culture. We're sorry on behalf of everyone who's, yeah. who's done that and not given proper credit or, you know, invited themselves into a space that they were not invited to. Um, but my point is, how many people have we seen who've done that who are now, this is where I'm going to really touch on something. Now jumping over to bands or jumping <coughs> over like, MGK. yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah, well, so, I think of, um, I'm sorry about to say this, but like, I think of Morgan, Morgan Wallen or yeah. like all, and they're, they're killing it. That's fine. Uh, Post is doing the same thing where it's like, they start in this yeah, and then, and, 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 and then he's going I, right back I do to, think this is nuanced. This is where it gets touching. I look forward to talking about this with someone else who can speak to the, the culture truly, but I do think it's, it's okay to admit it can be both at once. And I do believe in many ways for them personally it feels like their careers creatively have shifted. Yes. Let's use Post as an, as an example. If he's feeling that kind of rock, folk, country vibe, who can fault him for that? If yeah. that's what's in his heart, go for it, Post. But it doesn't mean that it is not also simultaneously true that he co-opted that part of culture while it was advantageous. Yes, and then shifted and off shifted. of it whenever he So you, I'm glad you're, I know this is a whole long uh, monologue, but yeah, the point I'm is... making is now, and there's a cultural thing, we'll get back to that, but uh, back to it being viable. Nothing is viable anymore. Yeah. And I think with that means why not do a band yeah it's it's no longer just easy for white kids to co-opt rap anymore so i do think and i know i'm making kind of two almost opposing points at the same time but what i will simply say is i i think it's almost to a point like we said post-apocalyptic or post-capitalist music culture it's like just do it It, none none of it's going to be uh yeah benefit or like financially viable i think that um i think so for my my point of view on on why we just like can you respond to all 10 things i said please yes um so my point of view on that whole situation is, uh, you know, first of all, it, it is, it, it, it is absolutely. I mean, everybody wants to chase what's hot, you know. Like it, it is our natural inclination for people as like creators to be like, oh, I love this, you know. And I talked about this before with Frank Ocean, where it was like prior to Channel Orange, R and B sounded completely different. Sure. And then. Yeah. Boom, suddenly after that, there is literally a definitive shift in the culture where R&B stopped being like uh, rap light or, you know, or even, you know, uh, 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 boys to men adjacent, you know, where it then suddenly became this very experimental, like, you know, interesting genre where people were doing really cool stuff. Even Tyler, the creator went from rap now in more into an R&B style almost, you know, and a lot of things. And so um, I think there is a natural uh, uh, curve of people trying to find that like, okay, this is both adjacent to what I'm doing, but now also I can incorporate these these other elements that yeah. bring me to this world and I can like be more uh, be more seen by other populations and other cultures yeah. and all that stuff. But um, I definitely think that that one of the biggest drivers of of this cycle, this pendulum, yeah. is just simply fatigue. you know sure. it is yeah. it is fatigue of uh, you, uh, in the last year, the amount of times I've heard people uh, on on the rap side of things yeah. be like, 
yeah, I just, I don't want any 808s in this song. Sure. You know, yeah. I'm so sick of hearing songs with 808s, yeah. right? And that shift has come from literally everybody putting 808s sure. on every single yeah. song. And that's not to say that it's not still a, a viable way of, of producing music to have your 808-centric kind of style yeah. or whatever. But it's definitely gotten to where it's like a little played out in people. And to parallel that to where we came with bands from with bands, yeah. uh, when I was growing up, and I listened to music, pop music, right? Yeah. I heard a verse, I heard a chorus, I heard a second verse, I heard a second chorus, then I heard a guitar solo. Yeah. When is the last time you heard a guitar solo? Sure. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. It's like we got so burned out of that being the structure and that's yeah. the way of being. So everybody, that's why the pendulum swung in, in addition to the many other things that we talked sure. about and everything. Yeah. That's why the pendulum swung. And then recently, suddenly I'm starting to hear maybe not in that structure necessarily, but people who are throwing solos back sure. into their songs, people yeah. who aren't afraid to start off with an intro that's a minute and a half long, yeah. you know, people who aren't, because we lost all that yeah. and it became formulaic to do it the other way, which is just like you start with a chorus or like a, or like a, just a oh, yeah, two you better, bar you intro better give them and the then hook drop within right 10 into the hook. seconds. Right. Yeah. I've been so, in a million of those meetings. Yeah. yeah. And yep. so people are starting to shift from that. And that is probably what I think is maybe one of the biggest drivers of things, yeah. uh, aside from black culture and the way that it constantly pushes music along. Sure. Yeah. And but, how white people co-opt it. I want to chime in and say something last week when you guys both brought that up, not that I was like trying to apologize for you, but I misunderstood what you were saying. Um, initially and said, well, we don't actually think that I want to expound on what I meant by that and what I'm feeling in this moment. And someone can teach me if they need to teach me. But I want to say, at least as I interpret it, this isn't, and this isn't an apology. This, I think is a good point for people to hear, maybe specifically white people. This is not saying, oh, rap is over. Right. And then it, therefore it's not me saying, oh, we're so sorry. We said that rap yeah, people, yeah, black yeah. people. I, what I want to say is I think in many ways, this is uh, not only in defense of black culture, but also uh, something that they will be pleased with. Meaning, I perceive this as like, when we say it's like played out, it's, it was probably a bunch of white kids who played out 808s. Oh, 100%. And now, at least the, I, my interpretation, based on the people who I'm close with, in that rap music lane and in that culture, would say, good, get, good, yes. get out of here. Yeah. We're over it being trendy. We're over all these 22-year-old white kids coming in thinking they can rap. I'm happy to hear that you think it's played out right. because finally we can have it back. You yes. understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm simply saying, and I, don't, I actually don't want for that to sound like I'm backpedaling or trying to be careful. I kind of mean the opposite. I mean to clarify, like I, I legitimately think what you're saying is true, that in, in those ways it's over. But I think to the people who it matters to, in many ways... Uh, they'll be pleased. And yeah. it's almost as if it's being given well, back because it's and like, I, yeah, get out of here. And I think it's, people have been bringing up on the on my post about, you know, Dwight, Dwight Schrute said it best is the yeah. way to get white people to do it is to get black people to do it sure. and then get black people you to stop share. doing it. And then white people will say, be safe doing it for themselves. Sure. You, know? you should and share, by the way, we're referencing it, but I don't think you've, yeah, I didn't fully say it. I, I just you, what you said I, in this TikTok. The, the, the conversation was the, the the dude said he hasn't seen white people playing in bands or he hasn't seen white bands and he misses that, you know, nineties culture, which was like the the Evanescence and the sure. Chili Peppers and yeah. the and the Nirvana and all that stuff. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of those songs are people's favorite songs. And yeah. a lot of people that are making music now will reference those points of music because yeah. they are very important, whether they yeah. are white or black culture that has spawned those things. Yeah. It is something that people will look back and be like, man i miss good charlotte or sure. i miss you know these yeah. like bands uh and where are those bands yeah. at and and 
and it is a big feature of that that you know like uh that it got played out that what happens naturally with music this is a natural course of music is that and this is a capitalism thing this is a this is a label controlled society thing but like uh people in labels are business people yeah that's their job is to look around and say where's the next post malone Sure. Where's the next, it, back in the 90s, Nirvana? Sure. Where's, and to the point where when we had where's the next Nirvana or where's the next this or where's the next that, then it's like, where's the next Limp Biscuit? How many Limp sure. Biscuits can we make? Yeah. You know, And then do we get to the point where it is so saturated and so destroyed by so many people just doing the exact same, this is what's pop. And it's not necessarily the fault of the creators. You sure. know, it, it really isn't because... The creators are just looking, how do I make this a financially viable career? How do I get? And so it's like, oh, I will do something like this and I will make my music like this because this is something that can. Or in the purest of cases, they just like what they're playing. But yeah, very certainly. But but what always ends up happening, you know, I I always point to Adele as being a great example of this. This is a, a when Adele first came out, I remember thinking like. Wow, this first record she's doing, it sounds like everybody's playing an instrument and everybody's like doing their thing, right? And everybody, and like, it was so radically different from what was happening and still very cool and very interesting. It was so radically different from what was happening at the time that it now became the new pop. Sure. You know, that style of music became the new pop and people were trying to clamor to find the next Adele. People were clamoring to find the next Lana Del Rey. People were, and that's what always ends up happening is that, uh, that force of the labels being like, okay, we'll just like, this thing's working, let's do this thing and it'll make us money. And like, and, and inevitably artists on the other side rebelling from that is what drives innovation and creation. Brings the next yes. thing, yeah. So yep. we need both of these things simultaneously because if we never pushed that one side, it wouldn't get tired and burned out sure. to yeah. then also have new innovation come. Yeah. So it is extremely interesting the way the ebb and flow of this industry happens for it to be like, you know, the things that today, and, and also when they get recycled 20 years later, yeah. you know, and I bring this point up all the time, this is, this is the boss metal zone point, right? When it happened originally, it was yeah. like, man, y'all hear this, this tone's amazing. Yeah. And then it was like, God, man, I'm so sick of people with line six amps and fucking boss metal zone pedals. Yeah. And then it was like, now it's like, Hey, you guys hear this boss metal zone yeah. pedal? And like, isn't it kind of corny but cool? Dude, you know, it and comes back that, ironically. Yes, first. Yep, yep. And, and then, then kind it's cool. of yeah, yeah, and then gets yep. cool again. And so, uh, and and that ironicness also um, comes from a bit of nostalgia. You know, sure. it's like it yeah. is a nostalgic thing. Yeah. Because some people are going to hear that and be like, I remember that sound. Yeah. You know, like the yeah. '90s rock. Yeah. guitar sound you know yeah. that that uh jerry finn style blend of guitars and everything yeah. from that to then i'm sick of hearing that to then yeah. I, I miss white dudes in garages making sure. <laughs> rock yeah. bands again yeah, yeah. and and then all you know and uh, and it a bit of an ironic moment of like <laughs> look we gotta we're, we're these guys making rock band yeah. guitar shit in our sure. garage yeah. and, and then also to be like ah you know what i did miss that and then we're back around in the circle sure. you yeah. know so yeah, yeah. uh so engage in, in my point you know it's in, engage in whatever part of this you want sure 
Yeah. Because wherever you're at, you know, there's plenty of bands that I saw miss miss the uh, the the arc. You know, they missed sure. the yeah. they missed the I was here. I mean, I think to what you're saying, uh, this, this is such dad advice, but like maybe just ignore the trend. Yeah. Do what feels natural. Simultaneously if, while also paying attention totally, to it. Totally. 100%. That's absolutely true. Two things can be true at once. I think it's a really good lesson yeah. just for all things creative. It's really just a good life lesson. But in this case, uh, when I think, because I, I know there are people out there who are like, oh, I've been in new bands the whole time. Great. That's perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Cool. Um, but, and if you're still into rap, like we just talked about, like I think there will be people who are relieved that it's not at the center of trends so that MGK will just get off their back. Yeah. Uh, then just keep doing what you're doing. The pendulum's going to swing past you. You'll be in it for a second. It'll swing right past you. But yep. I think your, your best art will be made when you're just unaware. You, you intentionally try not to pay attention yeah. to where the pendulum is. Still, I'm waiting for you. I don't mean to be your, your director, but I'm waiting for you to share the TikTok. Oh, yeah. You've so, not given us context for the conversation. So anyway, so I said uh, in response. <laughs> I love, so I tell Zabel. Like I tell him. minutes ago. Yeah. Uh, so I said in response, I stitched his TikTok saying there's no white bands anymore. And I said, uh, I, I said hey, man. You know, I hate to tell you all this, but if you want white bands to come back, you're going to have to get black people to do it first. And then and then uh, once once everybody sees like, oh, this is cool, which is literally the genesis of rock in America, which is what there I was talking yeah. about. My, my point, right, what I said in the TikTok yeah. is yeah, if yeah. you want Led Zeppelin, you need Muddy Waters first. Yeah. If you want Rolling Stones, Rolling Stones are literally named after a Muddy Waters song. Totally. You know, yeah. if you want if it, dude, even Dave Grohl talks about, it, you know, uh, all of his. All of his Nirvana sure. fills came yep. from the disco, Gap Band yep, yeah, and the yeah, disco and yep. stuff. It's like crack, there is, crack, 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 yeah, exactly. Yeah, that yep. was all regurgitated stuff yeah. coming from black music that Chuck that, Berry that you circled know. through. Yeah. Exactly, Chuck yep. Berry is a great example of it. Even so, I, I brought up uh, you know Sister Rosetta Tharp, who is literally the very first, in most cases, rock musician. You know, sure. it's like yeah. you can look, you could look at uh, whatever you want to talk about Chuck Berry. You want to talk about Lil Richard. She predates that by almost 15, 20 years. So you true. know, so yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and 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 that style of playing a guitar on stage and really getting down that was that was where it started. I I, I wanted to make a TikTok saying like, I hate to tell some of y'all, but like the king of rock and roll is not Elvis. It could not ever be because sure. the king is not a king. Yeah. It's a queen, and it was sure. predating him. Yeah. You know, even Hound yeah, yeah. Dog. There's a um. I, I'm gonna. I'm not. I'm not even gonna say her name because I'm gonna fuck it up. But it's similar to. Rosetta Tharp, it's like Thorn, Big Mama Thorn, I think it was the name. Sure. Anyway, yeah. the point is that she literally was one of the first, I think she was the first person to perform the yeah. Hound Dog song yeah. that Elvis wrote, yeah. or Elvis performed, yeah, yeah, because yeah, Elvis did not, did not write, write anything, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. that Elvis performed. And there's a great interview of her being like, what the hell is he talking about all this hound dog shit? Like a hound dog is a philanderous man. That's yeah. what this song is about. He totally bastardized this whole thing to make sure. his own thing. And yeah. then that is what built him as the king of rock and roll, yeah. you know? And yeah. like, we look at that stuff and, and, uh, and, and there's a lot of like culture vulturing, you know, yeah. and stuff that, that happens. And there's the, literally in that point of time, we're talking about uh, a white musician who was literally sought out because yeah. they were like, I need somebody who can do black music, but be presentable to white people yeah. and, and be acceptable to racist. White, yeah, it, you know. it wasn't even an accidental. No, it was like, literally on purpose. Symptom of society. It was, it was, yeah, it was intentional. Literally decisive. on purpose for those yeah. things to do. And it yep. continued out. Uh, if, if you talk about, um, you talk about chess records, some people would look at chess records in the fifties and sixties and be like, wow, Look at how the chess records, the chess brothers were giving 
voices, giving recording time, giving a distribution to black artists. Look at what they did. Sure. Also, let's they look were, at how yeah. they were robbing and stealing from their artists yeah. and paying it them. benevolent. Yes, but, yes. Yeah. And it was absolutely, there was much intention in, and I say this as being a, a somewhat distant relative of the Chesses. Really? Uh, yeah, my, wow. my um, it's weird. I'm, I'm going to, my cousin's aunt, brother's sister Got kind it. of yeah. situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my, my daughter's mother uh, is, um, is the stepdaughter of the man who is married to Phil Chess's wow. granddaughter. So yeah. like they're his, his, my daughter's cousins yeah. essentially are the great grandchildren of, of, of Chess. Phil Chess. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So it's like, so it's literally, I'm that close to that Crazy. family. I, yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm there yeah. and I still would be like, yeah, you know, because I know sure. that, uh, Phil's daughter, uh, was getting publishing on, tracks that you know that tracks that muddy waters sure. was writing yeah. and, and tracks on uh etta james and, yeah. and you know things like that so i know how much they took advantage and how rich they ended up yeah. and how poor some of those artists also yeah. ended up so there is absolutely a conversation about the exploitation and as you said i definitely want to have a conversation about this. yeah we can't unpack this all yeah it's well not it's not us. it's it's definitely not the place of two white dudes to sit here and yeah. talk about the exploitation of black music and yeah. how it affects us uh but i definitely think, I think it's healthy a, to acknowledge it yeah to uh, call it out i think uh, but we can't unpack it the i way think that, the number one comment that i saw on on my tiktok acknowledging yeah. how much music has been stolen from the black community was holy shit What's this At white dude? Said it. Yeah. What's this white dude saying this shit for? Literally, yeah. people being like, "Protect this man. He's gonna <laughs> yeah. die next week." Yeah. You know, yeah. like, uh, and and I, I I think that the most important thing is to acknowledge it and to talk about it. And again, I think that it's just a conversation where we should definitely have some input from people who are not uh, white dudes on, yeah. you know, with nice shorts on, uh, <laughs> showing like their pastiness. Yeah. We'll pull uh, on some black friends and, and have a conversation absolutely. with them. Absolutely, but them I think that uh, all of us can, can benefit from acknowledging that. And it does not mean that you have to take a uh, air of... Uh, uh, inferiority yeah. from it or anything. You don't have to feel like you're less of a musician. Sure. You just literally need to accept, like, I think Dave Grohl's it's an awareness a thing. approach yep. is probably yep. one of the best I've ever seen, where he's yeah. like, look, I literally took this fill from yeah. this person yeah. and all homage due to this person sure. because that's where it came from. And yeah. I and, and like there is a huge conversation mm -hmm. always in every way, shape, or form to be had about um when when the conversation goes from stealing in a way that you know is stealing yeah. from an artist yeah. and also being influenced and loving yeah. where you come from with the things that because i always say this uh the the um the style of human that the style of player you are the way that you are that is a a product of your entire life of sure, listening to yeah, music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I think uh, one of my favorite quotes is all, what is it, all creativity is thievery. Yes. Uh, and I think that's true. To acknowledge this, like, two white guys uh, and then really needing, uh, you know, a person of color to speak to this. The difference, I think, is that, and these two things can be true at once. And I'm not, this isn't like a rebuttal to what you're saying, but I will just say, uh, I think all creativity is thievery in some way. Meaning you are, you are uh, absorbing what you what you're listening to what you are consuming sure. and then regurgitating it in your own way and that is no matter who you are no matter your skin color that is the creative process that's yeah. what it is to be an artist who absorbs and then creates art the difference here though and i think this is maybe the only thing we can add to the conversation as a couple of white guys is that the historical context especially in america is different 
Yes. So although that is true for creativity, for, for, for everyone in the entire world, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't mean we're, we get off scot-free right. in the U.S. because it has historically, yeah. there's, mon- there's from a monetary perspective, been very different. So yes. it doesn't make it and, okay just because it's true. And even now when we look at, uh, again, to circle this conversation to, even now as we look at what is topping the charts and what, or, or what has been topping sure. the charts previously in, in terms of rap music, like uh, it is still an exploitive game you know it's still absolutely record executives who are mostly white people taking advantage of black artists who uh who are willing to put their art out there in the world and be exploited creatively creatively to be both uh you know influences for other artists who then culture vulture their shit you know in terms of like white rappers and stuff like that but also you know the fact that like like the way that the industry is set up, it is already exploitive of the artist. It's sure. already, no matter what, what race you are, you are going to be put in a position sure. of exploitation by yeah. people who are not creating music yeah. uh, to use you to make monetary gain, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think that um, it, for, all, for all of our listeners out there to, to know and expect that, you yeah. know, to know that at the end of the day, we're all kind of getting screwed some met much worse than others. And, sure. and that is absolutely a thing to acknowledge, but it doesn't mean that you cannot be influenced by something or have appreciation for something sure. just because you are not the race of person who originally started that Certainly. thing. Yeah. And again, we've hit white rappers pretty fucking hard, yeah. but there is no... There's no, there's no doubt that Eminem is one of the best rappers sure. in that conversation to sure. ever be talked about. We don't diminish him because he is white. We just simply acknowledge the fact of so many people who have been denied the opportunity because of what they sure. have been, you know, where they're from, what, who they are, what race they are, and shit yep. like that. Yeah. So, well, and again, both of those things seemingly opposing yeah. can be true at the true same time. At the same time. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Um, we so, solved it. Yeah, we solved it. We fixed no, racism we in America. I'm done. <laughs> I retired. I'm great. I'm done. Thank you. Please hail me as oh, the... Yeah. <laughs> no, um, absolutely. I think, that, um, I think that all of these things are great conversations to have in terms of how we... Um, I think an episode... I'm sorry to, to interrupt. No, an episode about credit. We've talked about this. Yes, definitely. Uh, zooming all the way in, I think, to the racial conversation would be helpful. Um, and again, bringing someone on who can help us talk through that. I also think zooming out a bit, you and I have talked about this, like I, I literally don't want to get into this now, but just maybe setting up a future, but you know, soon coming episode. How much credit do you owe to mentors? Yeah. How much credit do you owe? I'm not talking about points on a record, things that have legality right. and contracts. That's, you know, a different conversation, but at least has structure. I'm talking about those ominous, like how, how often do I have to refer to someone that I learned something from? Right. How often do I have to thank the owner of the studio that I came yeah. up in? I want when to thank them all the time, but do when, I, do I have to? When somebody sees me do a, an engineering trick yes. that they're excited about, do I have to literally name every yeah, person who showed yeah. me so this? Yeah. So let's talk or, about it another yeah. time, but you and I've talked about that yeah. off camera personally. And I, I think that's a it, it, tying to this conversation. It would be a really good episode. Just like so, credit, just yeah. give, giving uh, respect and honor where it's due. Yep. What do you owe? When are you free from it then? Though? Because you shouldn't have to give some kind of you know groveling thank you at the Grammy speech yeah. every time every you time, do yeah. anything. That would be ridiculous. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's a, that would be a good conversation to have. Join a band. Yeah. Join, join a, a band. band. I think that this is the end state of this conversation. Is uh, join a band, experiment, play with, get people. out there, play with whatever people, you learn. Call it. Yeah. Whatever, whatever you want to do, even if it's just what you you're going to benefit so much from it and. And let that take you where you want it to take you. You know, yeah. it's fine to be a 
a band that's just doing it for fun. It's yep. fine to just enjoy that. And it's, it's also fine to work really hard for a long time and never get anywhere with it. It, yeah, we both, <laughs> yeah. We, we can both, uh, attribute some of our success currently to being in bands, but we are not in successful bands. No. You get the parallel I'm drawing. Yeah. So uh, to, to those of you watching, you just said this, but it's not even about like join a band so you can be successful. This isn't us making business, you know, giving you business advice. Like joining a band is a viable option yeah. in 2023. Not at all. Uh, it's just that you're going to be better. You will be a better musician, a better person. You'll make memories, yeah. but you, you will grow in ways that I don't think, I think we've spent almost two hours discussing it and still I can't think of anything. So I'll say it as decisively as I can. I just think there are ways you will grow personally from a skill and talent perspective, as well as uh, in your career, there are ways that you will grow making music with other people that I, I can't figure out how you could grow if you don't make music with yeah. people. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, put that, I, I hope I put that in a way that was and, uh, understandable. And for, for everybody else, this is my closing uh, thesis statement on this. Even as far as I've come, all the success I've had, everything that I've done everywhere, I still miss the most and this is why I am literally a tracking engineer as of my my first sure. designation. Yep. Yep. Why I am a tracking engineer is even after all the stuff I've done, when I'm sitting on the other side of the glass and watching a band play, sure, it feels like I I, mean, I miss it. It feels like the coolest thing. There's in the nothing world. like it. Yeah. I I envy those people. I envy their youth and their and their ability to have a band right now yeah. and have the time to do that and the passion and creativity that they've come from. And I will always be a tiny bit jealous of people who are out on the road playing shows and doing stuff like that because that to me brought some of the best memories of my life. Yeah. Some of the most happy I've, like moments I've ever been have come from being in bands and I learned so much. And, and I definitely think that um, no, very few people will ever regret doing that. Even, yeah. even if it's just for a short time, even if it's just a tryout, even whatever. I don't think that most people will regret those moments because I think that you, you build and grow and you learn and, and, and it will help you in some way, shape, or form. Absolutely. To grow. Even if help you have regrets, you, you will be net better yeah. from playing with people. I'm literally here as an engineer because of that thing, you know? And yeah. and again, I, I love being a tracking engineer because being in with the band, yeah. locked in the studio 12 hours creating a day for people. weeks, you yeah. know, creating together yeah. as, a, as a, a thing. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things to do in the entire world. And it's what draws, I mean, I could do one session with a band and that give me the energy and passion to keep doing this for five more years every yeah. single time. Yeah. So I'd like to make a closing statement. I have to pee. Yeah. So, uh, thanks for joining us. This has been a podcast. Uh, <laughs> I'll never get tired of it. It's uh, my favorite closing. I, I, I really, I encourage you guys to get out there and experiment and do your shit. Uh, we will continue this up. We're going to have a lot more uh, episodes this season, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be a lot of deep, hard hitting topics because we got through all the superficial bullshit in season one. So we can really dig deep now and get into the the hard hitting topics and solve uh, racism and solve racism once and for all. You see that wink? We know. <laughs> yeah. We're idiots, but we're not that idiot. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Promise. All right, thanks, y'all. Peace. <laughs>